Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Jack Bartek and Riv. This is now episode 46. And in this episode, we're going to talk about our predictions for Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, and MVP. Then we're going to go on and give our take on what the best city jersey in the NBA is and our thoughts on the opening day and Christmas Day lineup. Then we're going to finish off the show talking about the Westbrook and John Wall trade Kevin Durant denying the Harden rumors if Giannis should stay in Milwaukee and who the Celtics should target with their $28.5 million trade exception. So if you're watching the live stream right now, you can probably see that we have a cake bias in the middle, in the center. You can't really see it because of Riv's laptop. But we have the cake because we're celebrating having a thousand subscribers and we want to celebrate it with you guys as well. You guys helped us get to this point. So it's only right that you guys celebrate this moment with us together. Yeah. Thank you guys for supporting them without you guys. Obviously, you know, we wouldn't have any subscribers, so we appreciate you and thank you for hopping on the live today. Start the show, man. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like I haven't seen Riv in years. Hmm? Word, right? <laughs> it's really only been a week, but I I feel like I have not seen Riv in like a year. Be incognito, man. <laughs> now you finally gave me cold water. Thank you. I always give you cold water. No, it's always warm. That's because you don't drink it in time enough. <laughs> then it gets then it gets warm. You think so? I th- I think so. Right. So okay, we're gonna start off with our first topic of the show: Rookie of the Year predictions. This draft, we know that there's like top there's three players that. Stand out the most, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, LaMelo. I'm guessing one of your answers will be one of those guys, but you guys may surprise me, but who do you think will be the rookie of the year this season? I'll start. I I actually, I wanted, I still want to give an honorable mention shout out to Obi Toppin. I considered him because he's in a similar situation to the guy I'm going to say, but on a much lesser extent. If the Knicks want to be a playoff team this year, and I we've discussed it, <laughs> You can laugh all you want, but the Knicks are on that on that outside the bubble fringe, especially with it being a 10-team, you know, the double play-in. I can definitely see the Knicks at least getting that 10 seed and, and being in one of the playing games. The only way that happens, though, is if RJ, Obi, or both of them take a big step this year. Obviously, it's his first year, but take a big step and contribute a lot. So I wanted to give an honorable mention shout-out to him, um, but my pick is James Wiseman. And the reason is, I think we've all spoken about how Steph Curry coming back makes the Warriors a playoff team if he stays healthy. And losing Clay means that somebody's going to have to step up, step up for that team. And they're not like the Knicks where they have a long shot at making the playoffs. I think the expectation for them is to at least be a playoff team. So I think he's going to have to come in and play a big role for this team. And I think... He fits the system well. We talked about it when he was drafted. Him and Steph Curry in that pick and pop is going to be deadly. We know he can shoot the ball, and he's going to be that presence down low that the Warriors have been looking for since Andrew Bogut, really. And even Andrew Bogut didn't fit their gameplay. And I think James Wiseman is a perfect fit for what Steve Kerr and the Warriors want to do. So I think he's just the perfect puzzle piece to slot in there. And the circumstances make it so that he's going to have to contribute a lot if they want to reach their goals. So I'm going to say James Wiseman. Quick question. Can I ask who would you pick outside of the top three guys? Outside of the top three, I would say Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin. Okay. Yeah, I think you I'd should, go Obi too. You should go, you should go next. 
I mean, I think it's James Wiseman. A little bit of a different reason than you. I don't think he's going to be asked to step up and, and take that role. But I think that when you play with Curry and the amount of gravity that he's going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to have when people are guarding him on defense, I think James Wiseman is going to get about eight to 10 garbage buckets a game. <laughs> and what I mean by that is he's going to be very open. He's going to have lobs. It's going to be fast break. I mean, when you have playmakers like Draymond and Curry on the team, it makes it so much easier for you as a player. When I look at a guy like Anthony Edwards, you got to share the scoring load with D'Angelo Russell. You got to share the scoring load with Carl Anthony Towns. Rubio's capable of giving everybody the ball, but of course, D'Lo and Carl Towns are going to demand most of the touches. When you look at LaMelo, the same thing. They have a lot of guards. Gordon Hayward is there. They're going to need touches. So maybe LaMelo will get like more assists, of course. But I think I can see Wiseman averaging like 16 and 10. Last year, Draymond led their team in rebounds with six a game. And they were 24th in rebounding. So you bring in a guy that's 7'1", 250, he's going to take it to another level. He'll probably average 10 rebounds a game, in my opinion. And then who would be your outside of the top three? I think it's Obi Toppin. When you go, look, I don't think the Knicks have a chance to make the playoffs. And I'm, an, <laughs> I'm a Knicks fan. They, don't not, they do not have a chance to make the playoffs, and they better not be thinking about it. They better <laughs> be thinking about just being competitive and having a good shot to get Cade Cunningham. Well, That's what that they have to the think best about. Case that means you have to get the number one pick in the draft. I mean, in this new draft lottery, you don't have to be the worst team to get the number one pick. And so I think that the Knicks won't be competitive, and Obi, even though I think he has the potential to score a lot, there's no point guard on the Knicks that can set him up. Like on Golden State, a Curry can set up Wiseman or Minnesota, Rubio can set up Edwards. It's just two different situations. Damn, I mean, I, I was also going to pick James Wiseman. I was going to steal a little bit from both of you guys. I think the Bogut comparison was pretty good because he Wiseman does a lot of what Bogut does defensively, but he's more athletic. And like you said, he's going to get a lot of pick and rolls, pick and pops, easy buckets off transition. He's going to get a lot of rebounds. I feel like he's going to fit into that. Not DeAndre Jordan impact, but he's going to kind of be like a DeAndre Jordan, get a lot of just dunks and wide open layups. So I, I also would pick James Wiseman. But I think my second guy, if he starts, I think Isaac Okoro will probably win rookie of the year too. What? Yeah, I think wow. I think that would be the guy I would pick. Just goes off the simple fact that the Cavs have no wings. So I think he's going to start from day one. I think he's going to get a lot of touches day one. And I feel like in that system, he's going to be able to show his athleticism. He's a defensive presence Day one coming in. He'll be their best defender coming oh, in. Early. He's already their best defender well, now. Maybe <laughs> impact rookie, maybe. But rookie of the year, you have to average more than 10 points. Is I think Kuro he'll average. I think he'll put up about a smooth 13. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised you picked Isaac Okoro. You picked Cam Reddish last year. <laughs> so you aren't very close when it comes to these rookie of the year picks. Hey, he finished like seven, though, so don't do that the, to me. The only, problem, the only problem with him scoring is that backcourt is ridiculous scoring yeah. the ball. I mean, all they do is score the ball. They don't do anything else. They don't play make. They don't play defense. They don't rebound. So the only reason they stay on the court is because they score the ball. If it outside of OB, Wiseman, Lamelo, and Edwards, I think I, I wouldn't go Isaac Okoro. I'm I def, wouldn't pick I'm definitely not, def not going Patrick Williams. <laughs> maybe even, maybe I, Killian Hayes can be a sleeper. People are sleeping all, on Killian first Hayes. Of all, I would have never picked Patrick Williams, and I'm a Bulls fan. <laughs> he's not going to pick Killian Hayes. I would pick. I don't know if they're going to start D Rose or not, or yeah. if he's still going to be on the roster. So I don't know how that's going to work. But that would have been a good pick. 
Killing Hayes. Yeah, that would have been a solid. I, I feel like Tyrese Halliburton, if he starts too, because I know they're putting Buddy Hield on the bench again. So if he starts too, that could be another guy. I and feel like this rookie class is kind of wide in terms of rookie of the year. Like anybody can win it. Yeah, and who knows what ends up happening with Buddy Hield because the rumors have been floating since midseason last year about him staying with the Kings or not. And all signs this offseason has pointed towards no, but now he's still on the roster and we're about two weeks away, a week away from camps opening up. So, But like Riff said, I think that this is a wide-open rookie class, and I think that you can see guys that got picked really late becoming the best players in this class. I just think that it was a, a solid draft class, and I think top to bottom there's a lot of talent. So it, it, I think there's a, there's a good possibility we could be surprised this year. European guy uh, in Washington could win it too. Denny, Denny of, Denny of yeah. If he starts day one, he can win it too. I mean, they're going to score a lot. We're going to get into Washington and, you know, what they did later on in the episode. But now we're going to go on to the next award, Most Improved Player. Who do you think is going to win the Most Improved Player this upcoming year? I'll start with you, Riv. <laughs> you want me You want me to start? I, I actually I wanted to start on this because I feel pretty strongly about this one. Like, I don't have a question about this. I think it's going to be Larry Marketing. Um. Oh no! I was telling you because you're you're. Oh wired. yeah, I Yo, keep pulling on the cable because no, I'm trying to look towards you. No, yeah, the wires by the like. Oh the my lever, god, it's yeah. by. The- <laughs> so I don't want the mic to lower. Yeah, no, I was looking at you because you said Lori. Oh, so you think Lori Markin is going to win most improved player? I feel very me, confident please. he's going to win uh, most improved player. If you hear him speak, and you hear a lot of people inside the Bulls organization speak, the reason he had such a down year last year was because of Jim Boylan. Jim Boylan was the worst coach no, in yeah, the NBA, like far and away. He wasn't a, an NBA coach. He was having him run double sessions like it was high school basketball. It's just not realistic. And he also did not at all play to Lowry Market in strengths. Last season, he had a bad year. He had 15-6 and six on a career-low 42% shooting, 34% from three, which he's a good three-point shooter. That should not happen. Uh, his season high in usage rate, attempts, shots in the paint, points, and rebounds all came on opening night. And from there, everything went downhill. Last season, Jim Boylan forced Lowry out of his strengths in the game. In 2018-19, he shot 360 shots in the paint. That went down last year to 253. In 2018-19, he shot 104 mid-range shots. Last year, that number went down to 21. In 2018-19, he shot 60 fadeaways, which... You know, when he was making those shots in 2018-19, a lot of people, not saying he's going to reach that, were comparing him to Dirk with that one-legged fadeaway shot. That number went down to 16 last year. Again, I'm not saying he's going (laughs) to reach that, but that's what it looked like. So with Billy Donovan coming in, and you saw, he, I think he did a pretty solid job with that Thunder team for the years that he was there. I think he's going to come in, reinvent this offense, and realize that Lowry Marketing is a huge part of that offense and he should be used as such. And the way they used him last year in a five out system, forcing him to shoot three after three after three, it made no sense. He can stretch the floor, but that's not his greatest skill. And I think that getting him in a system that will actually use him correctly. And also it'll not only help him on the offensive end, but it'll help him get into the game to a point where he can make a bigger impact defensively. I just think that all around the Bulls as an organization are going to get better this year. And I think that Larry Markin is going to be the biggest beneficiary. I I would agree with you. We just, we still don't have a point guard yet. You know, a point guard that can, you know, really, we have Kobe White playing the one. He's not going to pass the ball. He's a shooting guard. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, 
I could have went a couple places. I could have went to my fan favorite. Could have said Cam Reddish was gonna be, you know, <laughs> most improved. I could have went to John T. Murray, another mm-hmm. one of my fan favorites. But I'm gonna go with the pick that everybody should be picking. I think he's probably gonna be a heavy favorite. Uh, Shaq Gilgis Alexander. I what? think he's gonna. He's first of all, Chris Paul is gone. Daniel Gallinari is gone. He's gonna. He has the keys to the offense. I think he's gonna put up about 24, 25 points again. I think you're gonna see a lot of improvement in his game this year. I think he's should be the clear runner up for most improved players. You're gonna see last year you saw Chris Paul when Chris Paul got initiated into that game. You saw a lot of improvements in his game. You saw leadership qualities. You saw games where he took over and Chris Paul helped him with that. So now Chris Paul gone. He has all the tools necessary to be great. And I feel like he's just going to be that guy that shows improvement in his game. Shea isn't a bad pick. Uh, is he going to win it? No. It's going to be one of these two guys. Also, Laurie wasn't a bad pick. But when you when you average 14 points per game, for you to win the award, you have to average, like, what, eight more points than you already did? I think he can easily be a 20-point-per-game scorer. So I, I, see him, I see him. I see him. I see him going. I see him jumping to like eighteen on some good efficiency. I don't think. I think everything has everything has and, to improve. And the thing with him is, I could like. I think it will be very clear if he improves this year so because last year, as as much as his numbers might not reflect it, he was bad. What are you talking about Laurie? Martin. Oh yeah, he was you bad. can you can. These are the two that. players that are gonna. The award is going to one of these two players, and ironically, they're on the same team. It's Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. That's who the award is going to go to. Jamal Murray, back-to-back years, he's averaged 18 points per game. In the playoffs two years ago, he averaged 21. Then he jumped to 26. Can Jamal Murray take it to an all-star level? You think he's going to average 26 can, points can Jamal, I'm not saying that, but can Jamal take it? Can he average 24, 25 a game? Jeremy Grant left, so they don't have him no more. Can, can he average 25? Can he ascend to an all-star? I think Jamal Murray can. And I think after these great playoff performances, people are looking at Jamal Murray to now step up and fill in that role. And then when we talk about Michael Porter Jr., I mean, this guy, he averaged nine points per game last year. He can easily average 18 a night. He can double his scoring average. It benefits him more that Jeremy Grant left because now Michael Porter Jr. is probably going to be starting. He might average 18 and 10, have a double-double. If he's playing with alongside Jokic, you know, he'll get easy looks. He shot 50, 50, and 40, you know, 50% from the field, 40% from the three last season. So if he gets more looks, more shots, he can be a 20-point-per-game scorer. I say more around 18, and I think Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. are going to win the award this year. And they're both on the same team. Those are nice. I mean, and that and it's pretty crazy because you usually don't see that from, this, from two players on the same team. Jamal Murray, I think he's always been good, but – we expect him to now reach new heights yeah, because the, of what he bubble, did in the playoffs. He looked like a top five point guard, at least in the bubble. So, you know, you expect to see if he can play next season like he did, at least somewhat like he did in the bubble, he should win the award. And the thing about Michael Porter Jr. is, again, if he plays like he did in the bubble, he should get the award. My only question mark for them, too, would be there's a lot of mouths to feed in Denver. So are they going to take that step up? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. Now, um, that, those are uh, actually those aren't bad picks, Michael Porter Jr. He's probably going to start this year with Torrey Craig gone and Jeremy Grant gone. So he's probably going to start. And Jamal Murray, he, he, we, sh- we expect him to take that to lead be that an all star. Yeah, we expect him this year. Like, this is the year. All right, Jamal, you did that in the bubble. Let's see now. Let's see you make that all star leap. So if he does make that all star leap, 
then yeah, we can definitely see him win it. Lori, he's gonna have the eyes on. Yeah, him. we expect Lori. I'm well. If I could say from a Bulls perspective, we expect Lori. To, we've been expecting Lori to make that All Star leap, but now we expect it. We have Billy Donovan there. We expect him to make that All Star leap too. So if you know, if he does it too, those would be definitely the top two guys. But clearly, I just said the best player that we just talked about. So I, I, I don't. Shea's not better than Jamal Murray. He's not. <laughs> you telling me Shea Gilgis Alexander is better than Jamal Murray? He's not better than Jamal Murray. Oh, um, I'm not. He even, said he's the I'm best not, player. I'm not going to get back and forth into that. People, that, people that are watching right now, who's better, Jamal Murray or Shea Gilgis Alexander? We'll let I, them. I would them. also lean towards Jamal Murray. You would lean to. Oh, I hate you guys. I can see that changing next tell, year. Fans, please, yeah, please tell the live man. Come on, man. Like they're, they're, everybody they're saying Jamal Murray. Who said Jamal Murray? One per one, one person, person said Jamal. Yeah. Oh, oh, here we oh, two go. Two said Jamal go. and one said Shaw. So Shaw, it's two two right now. It's two two right now. People are agreeing with Jamal. <laughs> it's two, when, when, two we, right when we put this when we put this segment out there, you guys comment who's gonna win most improved player okay, or who's pretty, a better player, right Jamal now. Murray or Shea Gilgis Alexander? That's ridiculous. You just gonna say, oh man, come on, man, Shea. He's also, good, but he's not Jamal Murray. That is a pick a sidekick. It's our celebration of a thousand subscribers. And we wanted to share it with you. Unfortunately, we can't actually share the cake with you physically. That would be I'm awesome. Sharing this cake. <laughs> Jamal Murray easily. Um, Jamal Murray. Jamal Bymouth. Jamal <laughs> Murray. I'm taking Jamal that's Murray. That's crazy. Day. That's crazy. All right. So yeah, th- this is a cake that for our 1,000 subscribers. You know, after we do the show, we're probably gonna cut it, and we're gonna, you know, taking calls from you guys as well while we're eating it. I guess to share the moment with you guys. But now we're going to get back into the show. Wish we could read your comments throughout it. But we're going to get on to the next segment. So MVP prediction. We talked about the rookie of the year and most improved player. So now who do you think is going to be the MVP? Luka Doncic right now is the, favorite. Is the betting favorite to win MVP. Do you wow. agree with that or do you have a dark horse pick that's not Luka, him? No, I mean, I think it's easy to say, yeah, he's probably going to win it. I feel like this is... I, I hated this question when we were researching it because it's like there's four answers. I feel like there's nobody three. outside of like four answers. You got four? Yeah. How and, many you and got? again, two of them are on I the same two. team. You have two? I would say it's going to be either. Don't you dare say Kyrie. I would say it's either going to be. Kevin Durant. Yeah. Nah, I, th- I think it's going <laughs> to be Luka, okay. Giannis, LeBron, or AD. I think it's going to oh, be God. one okay. of those four guys. None of my, my second, because my first pick is Doncic. I think he's the favorite for me. My second pick is neither of those guys. Yeah, I, my second pick is neither of those I know guys. who you're going to say. I'll start by saying I'm also going with Luka Doncic. I just think that they didn't improve that much. Pick, and people, are, right people are expecting a lot out of them. Right and we saw from Luka last year in the playoffs, he's no joke. This was no fluke season. He's not any one-year wonder. Like, he is legit. And after Porzingis went down in the playoffs last year, he was still carrying that Mavericks team against a much better Clippers team. So I just see him taking another step again, and I personally think that he is the next LeBron James. I think he's the next number one guy in the league, personally, for me. I don't think that's a bad take. No, I think that's a bad take. No, I don't like being the when next LeBron, LeBron in terms. Of when did LeBron? I think Luke is going to be the, the face of the NBA. Oh, you mean as in terms of the face? Oh, I mean, okay, in terms okay. of the gameplay, I don't oh, think yeah. so. I thought you meant like, okay, no, 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 okay. No, no, LeBron's no. stronger. I took it as in like I thought you meant like dominant, like LeBron. No, no, I oh. meant like every every year be. you looked at the NBA. I don't, I don't think he can be because LeBron was dominant 
offensively and defensively. I don't think Luka will ever be. He's definitely got to catch up defense. Yeah, I don't think he will ever reach. I don't think Luka's as bad as a defender as people like to make him out to be. Though you say that, but let's be realistic. No, I'm not saying he's bad, but I don't think he'll ever reach LeBron like dominance on defense. That's why. What year did LeBron win his first MVP? Two thousand seven. It might have been 2007. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But who's your pretty good start? You you go first. I want to hear yours first. I mean, my pick is Luka Doncic, and I'll say it because you're going into year three now. You know, he came off a great season, 29 points per game, I'm pretty sure. He'd be damn near almost average a triple-double. Then in the playoffs, you get better. The one knock on Luka has been his three-point shooting. In the regular season, I believe he shot 31% or between 31 and 32%. It's a lot of step backs. Then in the playoffs, you take that up, you take that, and now you average 36% from the three. I think Luka has a nice form. I think he can be a really good to great shooter. And maybe that's just my bias when I see European players that they can, they can just all shoot. But I think that he can be like a 36 to 38% three point shooter. Yeah. And now that you traded for the Mavs, traded for Josh Richardson who's a pretty good defender, and he's one of the most underrated ISO scorers in the game. I mean, he averaged 1.12 points per possession. That was sixth best in the league on ISOs. So you have somebody to take the pressure off you offensively. You don't have to create for Josh Richardson, and he's a good defender. They also brought in James Johnson. It's it's kind of a weird... It was kind of weird how the Mavs were last year. Like, they were better on the road than at home. And for a young team like that and a young player to be better on the road is kind of weird. But they were. They were only four games behind a third seed. If Luka can average, say, 30 and basically near the numbers that he averaged last year and they can capture a third seed, I think he'll be the MVP. People are tired of Giannis winning it. People are tired of LeBron winning it. AD won't win it because he's teammates with LeBron. So That's why I wouldn't pick it's, it's kind of – and KD won't win it because of Kyrie – Luca's the only player that has the best shot for it, I think. And Chris stops. Who knows how his health is going to be? Yeah, and he, as he much tore as his ACL, he retore his ACL. Didn't he tear it in the uh, playoffs? I don't, I don't, I don't know. think he retore. I don't, it, I don't think I, it was. I think it was. He definitely didn't tear his ACL. As much as Luke, as much as Porzingis is a really nice second option for Luca, he still has not returned the same since that injury in New York. So he's not going to be a LeBron or Kyrie level where. You know he's gonna take away shine from Luca. That, that's Luca's team, and there's no mistaking it. Yeah, it's Luca's team, but I also feel like everybody that once won the MVP, people don't want to vote for them anymore. People love Luca, and if he were to win the MVP, he'd be the youngest to ever win it as well. So who's your? He's, pick? Out, he's out to January. Yeah, so Doncic is gonna have to carry for about a month or so, and even or a couple even weeks. when he comes back, you know it's gonna take a little bit for. Porzingis to get reacclimated. So, um, <clears throat> I think uh, like I think everybody's. I was gonna pick um, Luca for number one. He's the heavy favorite. Yeah, my number two pick. I was gonna go Kevin Durant. I think Kevin oh. Durant is gonna come back and he's gonna have a light. Of, it's gonna be a fire under him. People are talking about. I know I've seen on a lot of sports uh, shows. People are talking about LeBron and KD. LeBron is not even close. And I know KD's at home probably watching that. Like okay, okay, chip on his shoulder. So I think. Katie's definitely going to be in that talk for the MVP. And then I think, of course, James Harden. You always got to throw James Harden up there because he's going to carry. He's going to always be. He's going to. He What does he finish like second, like four or five times already? He's always going to be in that top four, top five MVP race. So those would be my. You thought I was going to pick Curry. That's why. That was my second pick. Nah, I feel like I would pick Curry, but I feel like they're going to just be too low. 
in the uh, seeding because I know seeding matters if, for MVP. I think people are really sleeping on the Warriors this in year. In order for them to make they the playoffs, I, that's what's... in order for them to make the playoffs, I think he's going to have to have a an MVP close year. to an MVP season. Maybe not to make the playoffs, but to really make some noise and be considered competitors going into the playoffs. I can see a scenario where Luca it finishes as a higher seed, but Curry has better numbers. And the MVP is going to go to Luca. You think they do? I can see West, that. West, that will happen. No, I, I, what they did to Harden in the, the year that Curry wanted in 2015, when Harden was supposed to win the MVP, that, that's that's what I think they might do. I don't know what year you Curry. Curry was a higher to. seed. It wasn't the 73 um, win team. It was a year. It was a Curry year deserved four. everything he won. So I don't know what Not you're telling year. me here. It was Harden that year. Yeah. It was hard. It's always supposed year. to be hard in every year. I mean, you just talked about him being one of your favorites. Yeah, but because he, he's always in it, but he did, that doesn't mean he deserved to win it that year. Nah, he did that year. So who's your dark? Your dark horse is Curry. My dark horse is Curry. Curry, yeah, because I feel like people are sleeping on him. I don't even think I gave a dark horse. A dark. Would horse. your dark horse be Dame Lillard, since you have Portland coming as a third seed? I mean, a that's good a good question. pick too. That's a good Dame pick too. could be up there. Another. Yeah, I think Dame was on a very. He was on a. He had a, a monster crazy, year last year. Crazy he just dark horse. Good. Yeah. That I could see, and I might get some flack for Devin this. Booker. Jason Tatum. Oh, okay. Sure Call me crazy, but eliminating Gordon Hayward out of that offense—that's one less mouth to feed. And you have to imagine he's going to take another step up. This, I know you guys <laughs> laugh when I say, it. but it's an—it's one less guy in the rotation, one less scorer, and he's going to have to take another jump if they want to be in that Eastern Conference conversation because. Everybody else got better. I I think the Sixers got better. I don't really think Tatum needs to do that because they got a bench now. Jeff Teague, I think he's probably one of the best backup point guards in the NBA. I just want to stop for a minute. Odante just said Curry didn't deserve any MVP. Just had to throw <laughs> that out there. Yeah. That was just dumb. <laughs> but yeah. So um, yeah, I guess I have Luka. You have... Um, my dark horse would probably would be KD. Okay, you have KD. And I'll go you Dame. Have- I'll go Dame. So you're going to rock with Dame? Okay. I mean, even though Luka's a favorite, I think, I think, are all I think our deservedly yeah. so, he should be yeah. the favorite. Yeah, and I still year. think he's going to So who's to your win dark horse? Curry. So Curry, Curry's Katie, dark horse. If Dame. I had to bet money on it, which I don't oh, bet, you, you if I had bet to bet Luka. money on it, you it make would no be money. Luka. Nah, you can't. it wouldn't make no money if you bet on Luka. He's so I, favorite. I don't bet. Yeah. If I had to bet the dark horse, I would bet Kevin Durant. If he's healthy, I would take Kevin Durant. Okay, now we're going to go on to the next segment. What playoff teams that made the playoffs last year are most likely to miss the playoffs this year? I'll go first, and I'll say I'll start in the. I'll, I'll go with the easy pick in the Western going Conference. The West and the East. Uh, I guess I'll do the West and okay. East. OKC's not making it this year. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious, <laughs> right? OKC they lost Chris Paul, they lost Stephen Adams and Danilo Gallinari. They're not going to make it in the East. The Magic. Because mm. I don't think they made any moves to really get better. They won 33 games and lost 40 last season. Do I think Atlanta can win more than that this year? I do. And even though this team has a good roster, I wouldn't rule out Indiana missing the playoffs. Because pe- people like to talk, people talked about the Westbrook trade and how it wasn't a very good trade, but the Wizards are going to be in yeah. playoff contention. I don't think there's a player that gets disrespected more than Russell Westbrook. A MVP, a guy who carries teams, he can carry the Wizards with Bradley Beal. They'll be one of the best offensive teams, but probably the worst in NBA history as well. One of the worst defensive teams in NBA history because they can't stop anybody. But when you look at the Wizards team, Davis Bertans can shoot. Thomas Bryant can shoot. 
Rui Bradley Beal can shoot. Rui is more of a mid-range shooter, but yeah, he can slash. And Troy Brown Jr. can shoot somewhat. I think you surrounded Westbrook with shooters, and if you do that, he's going to be just as efficient as he was in Houston. So I either have Indiana, Orlando, or... the Wizards jumping in. And Atlanta. And OKC, I have missing the playoffs, of course. You want me to go? Yeah. All right, I'll start in... I'll start in the East because I I agree with you. I don't see anybody outside of those two teams having any shot to miss the playoffs. I think there are six teams in the Eastern Conference that are locked into the playoffs. Like, yeah, I do too. I don't see any situation, barring any injuries, where the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Sixers, Nets don't make the playoffs. They're locked in. So I could see the Pacers or the Magic or both missing the playoffs, especially with the way the Hawks and the Wizards, I guess, pseudo-improved. You know, you're getting a more sure thing with Russell Westbrook than John Wall coming back off an injury. So yep. there's going to be a lot of competition in the Eastern Conference right at the bottom outside of those top six teams. And with the extra two seeds in that play-in tournament, I think it'll make for a very interesting last two weeks of the season or so. In the West, obviously, the answer is the Thunder. But I didn't want to be boring, so I wanted to throw another team out there in the West. That <laughs> This is going to sound a little crazy, I'm going to say the Utah Jazz, and I know a lot of people might not like that, but here's the reason why. Wow, you that's look, criminal. You look at last season, and I understand they went in the bubble and they played well, but you look at the end of last season, or the, the shutdown of the regular season, how bad things were there for the Jazz for a little bit with the team chemistry. Who knows if that black cloud is gone from above their heads, and I didn't see them improve at all this offseason. Like, they're bringing back the same team for the most part, and everybody else in the West improved. In my when you look at it, like every other team improved, and teams outside of the playoffs improved. The Phoenix Suns were not a playoff team last year. The Pelicans were not a playoff team last year. Even the Timberwolves, maybe if they make a leap. The Grizzlies have a, a lot of good young talent. The Spurs weren't a playoff team. The Kings have a lot of good young talent. So there's a lot of teams on the outside. Look, the Warriors, who I totally just forgot about. All of those teams weren't playoff teams last year. So oh, now that I think about it, wow. But like, like while I do like agree with some of your points, I think outside of Golden State, Donovan Mitchell would go on any of those teams and be the best player. <laughs> so I think if you're the it gives Utah a little bit of edge not to that mention, he's the best player. And not to mention you talk about the end of the season. They didn't have their second leading scorer Donovich. Donovich in the playoffs when they blew the three one lead in in the bubble and a little bit in the season. So he's coming back too. And that was their 20-point score outside of Donovan Mitchell. It's just, I, I'll say the same thing I said in the East. Outside the West of, is just loaded. That's outside of the is. Thunder, like all the all the Western Conference teams, I feel like are essentially locks. Like the Lakers are going to make it again. The Clippers are going to make it again. The Nuggets, the Rockets, if they keep this team together, are going to make it again. And then you have the Jazz, Mavericks, Blazers coming back as playoff teams. The Thunder, we're saying, are out, so... You know, who's going to miss the playoffs out of the group? We're saying the Warriors are going to make it, and they could take the Thunder spot. But then there's like two or three legit playoff teams looking at the Suns. Everybody's talking about the Suns after the Chris Paul move. Where do they slide into the playoffs? I'd probably so I'd probably, probably put them in a play-in. I'd probably bet more on the Warriors taking that last spot and the Suns missing the playoffs. Because if Chris Paul gets hurt, which he isn't not prone to do throughout his career, I mean, that's... All the playoff chances for Phoenix are gone. It it was kind of a rarity that he stayed healthy all of last year. He was not expected to do that because the year before, he was injured with Houston. He only played like 56 games. So 
he can if he plays that much in Phoenix, they don't even have a backup point guard. Rubio's gone, so it's going to be really tough for them to make it if he gets yeah. hurt. I, I I feel better about the Jazz than I do about teams looking on the outside in, but I would not feel confident about saying the Jazz are a playoff lock. Mm. Just because the Western Conference looks so good. I think I get that. I also think defense is nine times out of ten is going to get you out of good spots, and they're still Utah's still going to come in a top three defensive team in the league. Uh, but the obvious pick in the West is OKC, and I I I, I want to say since I can't take a team out, I want to say a team that people think are going to make the playoffs, and I don't think they are. I don't think Phoenix. Is, I think with the Chris Paul addition, I still don't think Phoenix is going to get over that hump. I still think they're going to be one of those teams outside looking and probably be a ninth, tenth seed just off the simple fact that yes, Chris Paul is there, Devin Booker is there, but you still you, you lost Kelly Oubre. That bench still looks a little iffy. Iffy. We still have to see how Michael Bridges is going to come in and play, how uh, Cameron Johnson is going to come in. So I'm still a little iffy about them. They're still a young team, but Chris Paul was definitely did like a move for them. And then in the East, the Magic. I think. I don't think the Wizards are going to get in, but I, I wouldn't be, like, shocked if they don't because I feel like Bradley Bill now with a point guard who – Westbrook can still be a good playmaker. He can still go to the basket. Like Joel said, his shooter's out there. So the, he has the sp- all the space in the world. Bradley Bill can be a spot-up shooter if need be and take the load off Westbrook. And Westbrook can take the load off Bradley Bill. So I think they're still a good team. And they got a rookie who can play good. He's European. So, you know, he's going to have that – knowledge out there but I still think you know Atlanta's gonna make the playoffs I think they're gonna take Orlando's spot they're gonna be one of those teams to watch and you know my dark horse team if we're healthy is my Bulls I think we're good enough where we can make a run and you know get into that playoffs man so that's Larry Markin and most so you think that Orlando misses it oh yeah Orlando's done. OKC of course I, I think with Jonathan, so you don't think outside of sorry to cut you off but you don't think a team outside of OKC in the West are gonna miss the playoffs if I had to pick one outside of if I had to pick one it would Probably say it. What you, what you think? It's the Jazz. I don't think it would be the Jazz. Who else is missing the playoffs from the West? It's I not the it's, it's not the Mavericks. We just said Luca's gonna be tough. the lead. It's, the, it's really tough because Luca can't. I, I don't want to. Who's say gonna he, be the Blazers? I, I don't want to say Luca. I don't want to say Luca's a great special talent, but Porzingis being out, they could slide out and miss. Some, I think they, lose some I games. Think locked too. And with you know they don't. I don't. It's with everybody. I don't. Uh, I, I'll say this. I'm very glad that if there was any year this year, the NBA is doing that play-in format. Because for the West, there's actually. there's 10 teams, I think, in both conferences that are playoff worthy, Yep, which is something that you can't say for years past. And one other point about the Suns, bigger than even probably the Chris Paul move, they were missing DeAndre Ayton for the first 20 games of the year last year. If that didn't happen, they would have been a playoff team. Without the bubble, without going seven and zero in the bubble, they would have been a playoff team. So, it's going to be very interesting. I don't. I. I. I think all the top teams. I think Lakers are going to get in. I think the Clippers are going to get in. I think Denver, even though they lost a lot of their wing defenders, they're still going to get in just alone off Michael Porter Jr. If if we see the Jamal Murray, like Joel said, if we see the Jamal Murray Michael Porter Jr. jump, I think they'll get in. Utah, I think they're going to get in solely because of defense, and Donovan Mitchell has showed he can carry a team. I think Dallas is going to get in probably. The I'm, best hope in the West is the Rockets blow it up. Yeah, that's probably – That would be the team because if James Harden is still there, they're going to get in. It, there's no deny they're going to get in. Do you yeah. feel more confident in the Rockets blowing it up and missing the playoffs or saying the Jazz won't be a playoff team? 
the Rockets blowing it up and missing the playoffs. Wow. I'm really yeah, confident. I think the Jazz are going to be a playoff I think, team. Yeah, I think, I, I don't, I'm not as high as on the Warriors as Joel is, though. I don't, that could be a team that doesn't get in just off the simple fact that they don't have a bench and they're going to rely a lot on their starters and the 32 year old Steph Curry. So, and he hasn't carried a team in years. So we're going to, on the offensive end. So we're going to have to see how much he can do. But that would, yeah, I would bet on Houston blowing it up and then not making it before Utah. I think Utah defensively, they're going to get in. They're the top three defensive team in the league. I'm going to talk about the Jazz later, too. Before we move on to our next segment, I want to give a shout-out to Sean for donating in the chat. We appreciate you, and thank you for complimenting the show. As you guys can see right now, we we have this cake in front of us to celebrate our 1K subs. It was supposed to get made last week, but now we're about to hit 2K, probably like in a week or two. But, yeah, this cake is awesome. Shout out to Gina the Baker in New Jersey. She made it. But, yeah, we're going to celebrate this with you guys later on. You guys can call into the show. Smells good. We'll talk. It's a chocolate (laughs) cake with cookies and cream. So, yeah, this next topic we're going to do is a a fun topic. It's a a laid-back topic. So, I guess everybody knows about the new city jerseys that came out in the NBA. I think all of them have already been released. So in this topic, we're going to talk, we're going to give our best city jersey and I'll start off the topic. I'm going to show the jersey on the big screen TV. So I think without a doubt, the best city jersey are the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets to me had the best city jersey. You look at the teal, Buzz City, the font, the pinstripes. I really think that this jersey is fire and I'm probably, I'm probably going to get a LaMelo ball. Charlotte Hornets oh city jersey. Goodness. Yeah, I'm. I think you you guys see in a, in about a month. I have a Lamelo Ball jersey on, and this is going to be the jersey <laughs> I'm going to have on. I think these city jerseys are the best. And I didn't. I wasn't too high on the other city jerseys. Like there's about like maybe five to seven that I like. I think this year was pretty weak. But oh, know, and shout out to uh, Lavar Ball getting three sons into the NBA. Yeah, man, that's good for him. Him and the Holiday Father. Shout out to into him. existence. Yeah. I, I love the color of those. And another thing the Hornets have going for them, every team in the league is going to have to wear the Jordan logo on their chest when they wear and their I city uniform. I hope yeah. they do what they do when they had the purple jerseys. They fixed the arena, too, to match the jerseys. Because yeah. they did that. But the Hornets, yeah. they, did, have, they did do an they arena. Do that's yeah. tough. Because when they do that, like that's when it's like really fire. Like So, Jack, what's your pick? So, for me, I, I went back and forth with a couple teams, but as you can see, I went with the Suns. I want to give a little suck. honorable mention shout-out <laughs> to your Bulls. I love the Bulls uniforms too, but I ended up going with the Suns just because I love the colors. Like, you look at it, I love that sunset vibe, and I think it just fits <laughs> the Suns really well. I like the little silhouette of the mountains, and I haven't liked a lot of the Suns' designs in the past. I think they hit it out of the park on this one. It reminds me of the Jazz uniforms they've been wearing the last couple of years, like I the like Red it. Rock where they go grading oh, down yeah, through I know the dark. About. And I just, I, whenever I would see them, I'd be like, I love those jerseys, but I feel like I'm watching the Suns. And so now for them to take something like that, I think was really cool. Kelly Oubre modeling it until they traded him. It's a, gr- it's a really good look. You give me a vibe that you're from Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> you just give me that energy that you're So from. I know your jersey is uh, this next one that I'm about to put up. Ja Morant, this Memphis Grizzlies city jersey. I think this is pretty fire, too. Not going to lie. Now, I think it's now, pretty fire. You know, it's crazy because I was picking. When you sent me the thing, I was picking between the Hornets, them, and, of course, my Bulls. Because, you know, I'm just a Bulls fan. But 
Just look at the look at look at the gold, man. The gold is fire. Then you got the little blue coming down the side, and then of course you have the best point guard in the league rocking the jersey. So when you have the best point guard in the league rocking the Over jersey, Curry, yeah, he's, he's the greatest, bro. When you have the best point guard in the league rocking that jersey, man, it just looks good. And I hope they did what they did last year. The same thing with the Hornets, fix the court up when they match it with the jersey. And so, of course, you can see the little blue on the collars. It's just those in the Hornets. I feel like those are top two. No debate. Phoenix ones was cool, but I ain't like the all black and then the little. I ain't like that too much. But those, those are the best jerseys. I love the uh, like the collar and down the side the little Vancouver Grizzlies motif because they wore those throwbacks mm-hmm. last year and I love those uniforms. So that's cool. oh, and just to, not to mention Dark Horse Most Improved Player of the Year. The city jerseys this year Palmer. were better in years past. I think this year the designers did a, a better job at. I think they put in more work. On these jerseys, and they're uh, they're not done yet. They're also releasing another jersey, the earned edition for playoff teams. Oh, the earned edition! Anybody who oh, made the playoffs last really? year is going to get another jersey. So that's tough. Do you, I remember in two K, the Warriors used to have like eight jerseys, just <laughs> straight eight. Jer- then the Rockets, like the Cavs, they used to have mad jerseys, bro. <laughs> so in the chat right now, why do they keep coming from my Bulls? So the chat right now, they're saying. Why didn't we put the Spurs in there? Look, I love, I love, I the, love Spurs. the Spurs pinata jersey, but when we're talking about the best city jersey, the for best. me, it had to be the Hornets. Where I had the Spurs at like three on my list. Thank you, Sean. Shout out to you, Sean. They, they keep paying. He us, says man. that Sean says the 76ers have the best city jerseys. I think they're pretty dope. But I, I thought the cinema jerseys last year were pretty dope. The little um, the light. You know whose jerseys I think are dope? are dope? I think the the team that has some dope city jerseys are the Blazers. The one that has Oregon, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I it's like, like a brown. The I like my the, the Miami Heat ones, the South Beach jerseys. Those feel, are some I, good jerseys. They should have brought too. them pink ones back. My Those favorite, were fire. my favorite part about the entire jersey was they're calling it the vice versa. Oh Dante, you're a Knicks like fan. Miami Vice. Oh vice versa. Vice versa. Oh yeah, because of the gradients yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty dope. Now, nah, but yeah, bro, don't unsubscribe. We we're not disrespecting <laughs> the we're not disrespecting the Spurs. He loves the Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I love those uniforms. I wish they would go back to the pinata look full time. Like, I think that that look is so much better for them. And I get it, like, the black, white, and gray was very Greg Popovich, but I think they need to turn the page. Yeah, they're too boring. Move forward. Get the color back into it. I think they're they're boring because they're in San Antonio. I don't think it's really... It's actually really lit in San Antonio. That's the sad reality. Have you ever reality. been there? Bring no, me back I actually to- <laughs> have a friend that lives there, though. That's the crazy Bring part. me back the Fiesta uniforms. I'm with you, Greg, man. My one of my favorite players is DeJounte Murray. So I'm here with you, man. San I love Antonio. DeJounte yeah, Murray. San Antonio, man. We're here. So now we're gonna get on to our next segment. The NBA opening day schedule and the next day after opening day, the schedule came out along with the Christmas Day schedule. So right now we're just gonna do a quick overview <coughs> on what opening day and the day after is going to look like so you guys know. So the preseason games are scheduled from December eleventh to nineteenth. December 22nd is opening night. The Warriors versus Nets at 7 p.m. The Clippers versus Lakers at 10 p.m. This is all Eastern time. So what do you think about the opening night? Warriors versus Nets and Clippers versus Lakers. Opening over, starting on opening night. Yeah. Okay, I think the Clippers and the Nets are a great story. Kevin Durant facing his old team, Steph Curry versus Kyrie. It's always a great show when they play. So I think that one's, they did well on that. I think Clippers-Lakers, I think they did well on that. You know, Clippers and Lakers games are always fun to watch, always gritty. Plus, Montrez Harrell and Jerry, Jermichael Green just went to the Lakers. So, you know, and Marcus Morris just said, we're going to beat their, excuse my language, but we're going to beat their ass too. So 
That's a good story. I, I like that first day. That first day is good. I think Jermichael Green is on the Nuggets. You know, when he went to the Nuggets, he's a sucker. Um, First of all, I just want to say, I'm like a kid in a candy shop looking at this. I said to you guys the other day, <laughs> basketball <laughs> is my favorite sport, so to be getting it back after 60 days of not having it is like a blessing. And then also as a Net fan, to see my team, you know, regardless of what they're going to be this year, to see them having an opening day game, a Christmas game, be in the spotlight is awesome. I've never had that as a Net fan, so to be getting <laughs> that for real, like, it's really cool. So that was a cool thing for me. Um Obviously, I love seeing the Nets taking on the Warriors, the KD storyline. I think that's great, and I think it's going to be a really good game to start the season. And then the second game, obviously, is going to be a great game. But the storyline, the NBA is just, it's the greatest television drama there is. The the Lakers are going to be getting their rings in front of the Clippers on Mm -hmm. opening night. After the Clippers launched that whole advertising campaign last year, we don't want the spotlight, yada, yada, this, that, and the third. Well, you didn't want the spotlight. Now you get to watch the Lakers in the biggest spotlight you there is, lose. getting their rings with Montrez Harrell, who you basically shoved out the door. It is. I Ooh, mean, there, to watch there is too. nothing better on reality TV. Watch the NBA. It's better than any drama you can watch. I think the Bachelorette is there. <laughs> <laughs> now a lot of people like the Bachelorette. I never Love watched it. Too. But I think this opening day is pretty good. I I kind of wish that. These games were on Christmas. I think they were. They would have yeah, been we'll better on Christmas. Yeah. But then, I mean, the Nets and Warriors, it's going to be a great game. Clippers and Lakers, it should be a great game. But I think the day after, December 23rd, they have some good games. The Bucks yeah. and the Celtics at 7 p.m. And the Mavericks versus Suns. We're going to get to see the new-look Suns the second day that the against season Luka. starts. Against Luka, exactly. So I think that's going to be a, a really fun one. And I can't wait because this season... There's so many teams that are balanced and that can make a run at the playoffs. It's going to be really interesting to watch what happens this upcoming season. Are, are teams allowing fans or not? It's just empty arena. I, I, I think, think different cities, where. different cities have different rules, but probably no fans is probably the way they're going to go. Mm. So now we're going to go on to the Christmas schedule specifically. Okay, this is a. Sim- I gotta go. This is a schedule: the Pelicans versus the Heat. The Warriors versus the Bucks, the Nets versus the Celtics, the Mavericks versus the Lakers, and the Clippers versus the Nuggets. In your opinion, are you impressed or disappointed by this Christmas Day lineup? This might be the worst lineup I've ever seen in my life. I'm talking about the worst. First of all, 12 p.m., it's a good game. Boston, what? Toronto, It's a that's a pretty that's good game. That's last year's, I think. Oh, that's last year's. <laughs> <laughs> he said <laughs> Okay, this is this is the one from this year. No, because I was thinking of the lineup from this year. That's why I said it's the worst. And you going to go back. <laughs> All right, this is the one. This is the worst lineup. The, the one on the year. bottom. Okay, I'm sorry. Pardon me, uh this guy looking got me looking like a fool. <laughs> this <laughs> is the worst Christmas day line. This one right here is let me tell you why. The heat should be switched out with Dallas. The Heat should be playing the Lakers on Christmas. The Warriors should be paying, playing the Nets on Christmas. Ball, no, I lied. The Lakers should be playing the Clippers. The Heat should be playing Boston on Christmas. Why are the Heat playing the Pelicans? There's no storyline on that. It, it, it's essentially just a regular game. It's just to have Zion in there. Yeah, but like Zion could have played LeBron or something. He could have played Luka. It could have been the new stars facing. It could have been the Pelicans and the Mavericks. The Heat should be playing Boston. It should be ECF rematch. The Warriors should be playing Nets, Kyrie and KD versus Steph Curry. 
Like I feel like the matchups. I feel like the only good storyline matchup is at ten thirty, which the three one comeback Denver and the Clippers playing again. I don't. This lineup doesn't make sense to me. What? There's no good storyline at five o'clock. Did no, you I miss think that Nets, one? Nets versus I think that's Celtics. more of a good game than a good storyline. Kyrie Nets Irving going back to Boston for the we first time. We already seen that. No, he didn't play in Boston last year. He didn't play in Boston last no. year. Uh, so I think that'll be a good game. But okay, when we Warriors versus Bucks, I, I don't think that was a a a good game. You know what's the storyline in that? Giannis goes to the war. He gets beat by the Warriors, and now Giannis demands talk, a trade. They're, they're to talking go to about it after the game. So yeah, you know I I don't see a good storyline in that game. The Pelicans versus Heat. They just wanted to fit in Zion in there, and then but like. The Heat might blow out the Pelicans Literally, at 12 legit. p.m. I don't think so. And Clippers versus Nuggets, that's good. Mavericks versus Lakers, I guess that's okay because Luka versus LeBron, the present versus the future, I guess. But I agree. The Lakers should have faced the Clippers. Basically, opening night should have been Christmas. Mm-hmm. Nets versus Warriors, Clippers versus Lakers. And then you can have the Pelicans play, but maybe make the Pelicans play, play the Suns or something. Oh, yeah. Or Dallas yeah, would be a good Dallas. one, too. Like. But for the Pelicans to just face the Heat, the Heat could have faced a different team. I really don't like, or the Heat could have faced the Bucks. I, I love, would rather the Bucks. They, they could have did that too. They could have ran it back. I love the Christmas Day schedule. Please I think there's, why. I think there's five great basketball games. I think you guys aren't so giving all the of Pelicans. them are great. You I think, think that twelve? Yes, I don't think you're game. giving the Pelicans enough credit. Did you Did you watch them last year down the stretch with Zion coming back? They were a different team. I think they could definitely compete with the Heat. I think we watched Miami down the stretch last year, too. Yeah, 100%. Miami's a great team, but I think the Pelicans are a great team, too. I think that Bucks and Warriors is another great game without Klay Thompson. I think the Bucks should win that the game, The Bucks could blow them out. Respectfully, there are two teams on this list that, have, that did not make the playoffs. No, the Bucks can legit blow the Warriors out. That day, I think I think for Christmas Day, it's different because in years past, you got to see teams play before you made the Christmas mm-hmm. Day schedule. But I feel like right? they still could have made this lineup better. Yeah, I think you should have at least you should have gave respect to teams that made the playoffs. There's a reason for the two teams on there that didn't make the playoffs, though. I feel like you the, Warrior, and Curry. the Warriors didn't miss the Warriors didn't make the playoffs last year because Steph was hurt. And Clay was hurt. They're getting Steph back. Was, they just got James Wiseman. What was what? What I read on um on a sports did report. Steph take them? Did Steph take them from fifteen wins to to forty? I don't that? think I don't think they would have done that. No. I don't, even with Steph, they healthy, also got better all around. That team was they also got better all around. No, I think what I read on some sports page that the they're doing this because of ratings. They're just trying to get Steph oh, yeah, and Zion in for just ratings. But I feel like you could have added Utah to play Denver again. Because they blew a three one lead, that would have been a good storyline. Like you just could have threw in, you could have threw in Toronto and Ball, uh, Miami again, or Toronto and Boston again. They had a juggernaut series last year. Yeah, but like, when it you could have been more it, games better than to, these. Toronto and Utah are not box office. Yeah. No, yeah, no, no. And they, yeah, we looking at it from a box, and they box both office were there last yeah. year. But I'm saying there's different games because, like I said, Clippers and Lakers should have been Christmas Day. Nets and Warriors should have been on this day too. I think, I think Celtics, you guys are really downplaying that Nets Celtics storyline. Like Boston hates Kyrie Irving. I don't know if you've been following. I think that the Warriors hate KD. I disagree. I don't think that the Warriors have that much ill will towards the guy who got them two rings. And KD hates Steve Kerr. Maybe so, but I think you guys are downplaying that Boston Brooklyn storyline. Like Celtics, no, I'm not fans downplaying genuinely. It. Hate I think it's Kyrie a good Irving. one. I think it's but a good I, game. I just feel like I'm more entertained to see. Steph and Kyrie and KD, then Kemba Walker and Kyrie and KD and Jason Tatum. I'm excited to see Kyrie back in Boston. Even as like you know, taking be, me being a net fan out of the equation, like that's just a good like he's going to where 
you know, the place he betrayed. And even last year when he sat out and he he didn't even go to Boston, if I'm not mistaken, they still had signs. They were literally trashing him <laughs> pregame, and he wasn't even there. So, now, yeah, I, I think I, I was disappointed in the schedule because I feel like they could have done better. I, I get the Zion wanting to have Zion on Christmas Day, but I don't think he necessarily deserved it or the team deserved it, I should say. The team I didn't agree. deserve that spot. And that's just being honest. Another team should have been in that spot. But, but yeah, I mean, this was an okay lineup. I'm not going to, you know, I wasn't impressed by it. Kind of disappointed, I guess, by what you're saying. You're disappointed in it, too, and you're impressed. You like it. <laughs> I just think it's five great basketball games. Ah, you keep saying five. I don't know if it's five great I ones. I think it's three. Two and a half. So what games don't you don't think are gonna, you don't think the I Pelicans think, Heat is going to be a good game? And then I think the, the Heat Warriors blows them Bucks? up. And I think the Bucks can. I think Steph can make it a great game. But I legit think the Bucks can have an opportunity to really blow the Warriors out because I feel like they. Still Drew gonna, Holiday is going to be on Curry. Yeah, and you, he doesn't. He's going to have to pass it off to Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins. It's hard for me to say because I haven't seen the Warriors with the way they're going to be looking, but I, I think that it's going to be a good game. I, you look at the Warriors, they have the personnel to guard a guy like Giannis. Like they, they have the, the bodies to clog the paint. Draymond, Draymond uh, Green and, and James Wiseman. Are you relying on a rookie? No, I'm not relying on him, but it's not about a one-on-one matchup. It's about clogging the paint. So I think those are the only two guys can, that can like, one-on-one likes. go there. Yeah. Though. I don't think Draymond... He's six six. Well, no, I'm not saying one on one matching up with him, but the whole thing is you throw one body at him and you clog the paint. But I think Milwaukee can go five out this year. Yeah, now they can definitely because he's going to have to guard Brooke Lopez. Brian Forbes, I think he should start. Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, they can. He's going to have like James has to guard Brooke Lopez out there. He can shoot that ball. Even so, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think the games to get great at five. Yeah, the Unless, end like, three I games think the are the best make it games a game, by far. But yeah, but I, think, I still yeah. think that those two are going to be very good games. So now we're going to go on to recent NBA news. <laughs> yeah, you really did that. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody knows a blockbuster trade, if you want to call it that. Russell Westbrook got traded to the Wizards, and John Wall got traded to the Rockets. And also a first-round pick in 2023 is going to the Rockets as well. So we're just going to react to this trade. Who do you think won this trade, the Rockets or the Wizards? And I know I put a poll up on the YouTube community tab on who won. People think the Wizards won this trade. And then second, people think nobody won this trade at all. But who do you think won this trade? To me, it's just like six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, except... What? <laughs> it's well, you it's said half it a dozen and six. No, you six, just six. said it too fast. That's what I was like. like it, I, it's such a lateral move to me. I guess... The thinking is Russell Westbrook is a more sure thing coming back than John Wall coming back from an injury, and it's worth it for the Rockets to get that pick because they don't have their own pick until 2027. So they don't have any first-round picks in that span. So any assets that they can bring in, it makes sense for them. So Wait, who does it have to 2027? Rockets. If I'm not mistaken, they don't have their own first pick until 2027. I could be wrong. I don't know. I have to fact check that, but you can fact check that right now. I'm pretty sure they don't have their own first round pick until 2027. But nonetheless, even if they do have a pick or two, they don't have a lot of picks. So any picks that they could bring in, it makes sense for them. And like I said, the Wizards are betting on the health of Russell Westbrook. But when you look at these two guys, it's like they're essentially the same player. Over the last five seasons, out of guys who have taken 2,500 jump shots, can you guess the two 
last, two dead last players in effective field goal go percentage. Go on a limb and say I these mean, it's two Westbrook guys. And it's Westbrook at seventy eight, John Wall at seventy seven. If you put them, their career averages into the NBA last season, John Wall. His career effective field goal percentage would have been at 419, and Russell Westbrook's would have been at 426. So, like, they're the same dudes. They're good playmakers. They're not great jump shooters. They're elite around the basket. They don't shoot the ball well. Like, you know what they are. They're very similar players. It's just one is coming off a very bad injury, and one isn't. But from every report that I've heard, John Wall is great. And James Harden is one of the first guys who has come out to said that, who have come out to have said that, and he's been playing pickup with him since quarantine started. So it makes sense all around. I think James Harden uh, gets enamored with the with the new shiny toy whenever he sees one. I say that because you didn't like how it worked out with Chris Paul. Then you thought Westbrook would be such a great idea. Now you realize it didn't work with Westbrook. Now you pick up, you play some pickup basketball with John Wall, and you're like, front management, get me this guy, and I won't ask to go to Brooklyn. Right, so then they give him John Wall or whatever. This was a win-win for both teams and, and for different reasons. It was a win for the Rockets because it raises their ceiling, right? You get a point guard who isn't going to shoot 30 times a game, who's going to, even though Wall is not a good three-point shooter, he knows that. So he's not yeah, he going to shoot yeah, it. Good, he, he's that. not going to shoot it. Westbrook doesn't care. He's essentially smarter. He he has yes he's a better playmaker he's a pass first point guard especially when he's playing with players that can score in Washington he was asked to score because he was the main option but when he has Harden and other players he can probably hit that ten assist number again so if they get a fully healthy John Wall they'll be good he raises their ceiling in I I know that that stat about the efficient field goal percentage like I I I heard that but he shot fifty percent on corner threes so he can make open shots and I think. Last time he was healthy, I think it was 2017 or 2016, he shot 37% from three. So he's shown that he can shoot better than Westbrook, and but also he won't take those shots as much as Westbrook, which benefits the Rockets. For the Wizards, I mean, I think you're not really banking on Westbrook's health. I think you were going to be banking on John Wall's health. Westbrook is a former MVP He's been pretty durable his whole career. Oh, no, that's what I meant. Like, they're getting a okay. healthy option rather yeah, than... Yeah, and Westbrook is a former MVP. He's healthy. He's going to be really, really good for the Wizards. He might average a triple-double again. You know, he might average... Not again, but he's going to average another triple-double in his career with the Wizards. But the Wizards, what was their goal? Because the Rockets' goal is to go to the championship, and this raises their ceiling gives them a better chance, I guess. The Wizards' goal is to what? Make the eighth seed? It's definitely not to tank if they're doing this move. So their goal was either to get rid of John Wall's contract or be a competitive team. And does Russell Westbrook make them a competitive team? He does. In the East, yeah. Makes them a I playoff agree. team. Um, uh, I'm under the belief that this is kind of a win-win for both teams in a sense. I think, like Joel said, John Wall is essentially a better player for Harden because he's a playmaker. He also... I think I don't think Joel said this. He's also a better defender than Westbrook. He's a more he's he's gonna play defense every night. You know that from John Wall. But at the same time, we haven't seen John Wall healthy in almost two years. Yeah, and so we don't know what if that athleticism coming is still off there. an Achilles, yeah, too. that explosion is still there. We don't know, but we know for a fact he's still gonna be a great playmaker and he's still gonna be able to play great defense. He's he played all all NBA defense defense before, so we know that's gonna come in. And with Washington, Westbrook is gonna come in. He has shooters everywhere. 
So he's going to come in with a system. And Bradley Bill has learned to play off ball and on ball, so that's going to be good. So you got a guy who can score, take some of the load off. So I think, essentially, Washington can be a 7th AC team in the East. That's a, It's a pretty good team, and they still and have young talent. he's reuniting with Scott Brooks, his, his and, old coach. And John Wall is reuniting with DeMarcus Cousins. So a little bit of a... I mean, the thing about Houston is that they're banking on two players coming off an Achilles yeah. injury to basically be their former self. And how likely is that to happen? I mean, the only thing that's on John Wall's side is time because he's had about two years to recover from this injury. So that's what's on his side. Supposedly he's been fine since January to come back and they didn't bring him back. I I don't know how that makes sense, why they wouldn't bring him back. Just but to get him... You know, I think, and I think what people failed, to, I, th- I think what people forgot when Bradley Bill started to become more of a scorer, John Wall's points per game went down because he took a backseat because he's okay with being that pass first point guard, that playmaker because that's what essentially he wants to be. That's what he was at Kentucky. So now you got a thirty-five point scorer on your team. John Wall is going to love that role. He's not going to be Westbrook. Oh, I need to take this shot. I need to be a scorer. No, John Wall is going to love averaging at eighteen. Points per game in that 11, 12 assists, two steal type of guy. But it's, I think the Rockets have had probably the quietest and most underrated offseason of any team. You go out, you go out and get a sign and trade for Christian Wood, who Good I pickup. think he's, he's one of the most underrated players in the league. Nobody really knows about him. Eric Gordon is still there. Daniel House is still there. Marcus Cousins ben is McLemore, coming. Ben McLemore, 40 points. Ben P.J. Tucker is there. Then you have James Harden, who's we know who what he is, and Boogie, John Wall. Boogie Hopefully he's you, healthy. Boogie I, could give you twelve and eight on a on a good day. I don't know coming off the Achilles. I do think Robert Covington losing him is going to hurt. Defensively, it remains to be seen, yeah. but he was a huge piece of that defense. Defensively, you know, I, new the coach thing, too. They're the still why, missing that big. To the defend. reason the reason why I'm not sold on Covington being such a huge loss is because. When, when you saw him, he can't guard guards. He's very slow laterally. He was more of a p- protecting the rim. They yeah. had him play like the five and block really shots. Guard elite Christian Christian either. Wood is seven foot, basically. So he can block shots. He can be that protector for them. Now they don't have to play small. Now they'll get rebounds. They yeah. don't have to, you know, have P.J. Tucker being out there. P.J. Tucker can slot to the four or be a three. They can actually have a big playing the five that can stretch the floor. They don't have to put P.J. as a 6'5 big playing the five. That was terrible. Now they can put a 6'10 forward out there, who Christian Wood, who can shoot the three ball. He can also get rebounds, and he can still play defense. You're not Robert Covington, he's going to be missed. But at the same time, I feel like he can be because offensively he wasn't that good. He wasn't shooting a good percentage last year, so he can be fixed. That that can be fixed. I think they're still going to be a good team because James Harden is a good defender. Eric Gordon's a very underrated defender. He's good. PJ Tucker is a lockdown defender. So I think they're going to be okay. As much as this move, like uh, it's the weirdest thing because it makes sense, but it also to me made no sense. Like I don't know if that if that makes sense how I'm saying it, but like <laughs> they kind of traded for the same Exactly. Thing. Yeah. Wasn't the goal of trading Westbrook to get that contract off? Now you just have the same thing in a more injury prone guy. I guess he I fits think Westbrook was a longer was longer. It was. Like a year, a year more. That's if I had to say I would say the Rockets won. If for no other reason than they got a pick and I think they got a slightly better fit and more so just because I think this was a loss for the Wizards. I think it was a very short-sighted move. You look at them this season, what are they? What is their goal? You mentioned it before. They're a, they're a playoff team in the East, I think is fair to say, but 
Can they upset any of those six teams that I was saying before? Are locks in the Eastern Conference? Who's your locks? I don't think so. The the Bucks, the Celtics, uh, the Heat, the Nets. No, they can't upset anybody. Oh, okay. You know, they, so they're who, gonna who be a first round exit team if they make it. If they make it. And now you have this big old contract on the books. Another thing that has kind of been swept under the rug over the past year or so was before John Wall got hurt, there was always reports about Bradley Beal and John Wall butting heads because John Wall was an alpha. He played through injuries. He was a dog, and Bradley Beal was not that. Bradley Beal was a type B personality, and it always caused issues in that locker room. So what did you replace John Wall with? The biggest type A personality the league has to offer, and we don't think that's going to cause any problems when Bradley Beal is going to try and sit and rest an injury. It's going to be the same thing that happened with John Wall. I think it will be just more of a problem on the court because – Russell Westbrook, I mean, nobody's really gotten a long plan yeah. with him. Harden is, be- is his best friend, and he wanted him out of there yeah. after a year. And, and what that's, is, I think that's more of the problem. What the is court. Bradley Beal's best skill? Isolation scoring. Uh, no, I, think, I think he's shown it. Yeah, this past season, I think he's shown it. I think, I think he's shown it because he had to. I think he scoring. can. I think he, he can. Yeah, I think he can slide down and still be that But you're losing up. value on him, having him be a spot-up shooter to a, an inefficient ball-dominant yeah. guard. I think they'll take turns, but it'll be... Annoying for Beal because exactly. now this team becomes Westbrook's team. Exactly. It's not Beal's team. And you're taking away from the development of Denny Avija. You're taking away from the development of Hachimura. Even a guy like Thomas Bryant. Like, I know these aren't top of the line To names, be fair, I think that Westbrook actually helps that. Because he's, I mean, there's no doubt about it that Westbrook makes it easier on those guys to get to their spots and score. You know, Maybe I, getting I, open looks. Because Hachimura, he's not an isolation he's guy. He's more of a pick and pop. So, so I think West pick and roll help. guy, yeah, Thomas Thomas Bryant's more of a pick and pop guy. Like the outside of Beal and Wal- and uh, Westbrook, nobody on the Wizards can really create their own shot. So yeah. they're gonna have to dominate the ball most of the time anyway. Well, Denny would, is a good player. I mean, Denny's a rookie, so I'm not even trying to say like he's gonna be this and that. <laughs> but I was just speaking from a sense of like total percentage of shots. You already had your isolation scorer in Bradley Beal. I just don't know if this addition makes sense and moving forward, like. You just put yourself in purgatory because you're going to be a playoff team or at least close. You're going to be at least a 10 seed because the bottom teams in the Eastern Conference are are still not that good. So you're not going to be towards the bottom of the lottery at all. You're going to be right you're there. You're not going to get AFC. a great pick. Possible. So, you know, I watched it with the Nets. It's not a place you want to be. And it's going to take an incredible job, leaps and bounds, to rebuild that when eventually, you know, Westbrook and Beal get older and can't carry the load like they're going to this year. So I don't know. It, just, I, it didn't make much sense for me for Washington. I get it for Houston. It's a, it's a big gamble in my opinion, because Westbrook coming off that injury, you don't know how he's going to recover with well, that Achilles. I'm wall. Um, so and we, there's, and there's still going to be all the chemistry issues. Do we, do we think Harden still goes or he's, no, he's I think hit. he still goes. It really depends if, if they don't start out good and they're not meshing, he, he's going to demand a trade. And he should get traded so he can have a chance to win. And the other problem but, is if this, doesn't, if this doesn't work out, they don't trade Harden this year and this doesn't work out and they don't I, – I, what what's the expectations for the Rockets this year? Now that they made the John Wall trade, say they he can, comes back I mean, like in 70%. the building, what's their expectation? They can beat any team outside of L.A. and the Clippers. So now if opinion. they don't do that, say they lose in the second round or lose in the first round, it's going Who to – Who they look, lose in the second round too? 
I'm just saying, if they do, it's going to reflect very bad on James Harden because now he's gone through Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, John Wall, all yeah. top-tier NBA point guards. I'm not saying I agree I with guess, it, but know. I'm just saying that's what it's going to be spun as. He's had these three top-tier point guards, and what's been yeah, that's the, what it's the gonna main like. factor that's Not really, remained. because if you— I think the Chris Paul the, one the is con- The context behind—the Chris Paul is the only one. The context behind it is that John Wall's coming back from an Achilles, and Russell Westbrook— was coming back from a quad injury in the playoffs, and he can't shoot, and he wasn't a fit. And Westbrook, I think more so, has shown that he can't fit with anybody. As the man, Westbrook has not even gone gone out the first round. I agree Harden with you. is not that. So I think I Westbrook agree. was— I agree with well, When it comes to Chris Paul, you can put the blame on Harden for that. But these other two guys, nah, I'm not buying No, that. I agree with you. I, just feel, I don't think that would be the headline. Though. I just feel like there's going to become this stigma of, you know— Everybody that goes to play with James Harden ends up underperforming. That's just what what I, I so. feel like is going to happen if they don't at least get to the point where we think they can be this season. Boy, okay, I see, I see where both you we guys had think. the same discussion the other week when we were discussing trade rumors coming out of Houston. He didn't work with Chris Paul. He didn't work with Russell Westbrook. So the knock he on had him problems is that he with Austin work Rivers. With he had problems with Mike D'Antoni. You know, like everything there has changed. He's been the one constant, and they haven't won. I'm just saying that's what it's going to get spun as, in my opinion. Mm. I don't really think so. I, I, I don't. I don't see it that way. Yeah, of course you do. I, I don't see it. I don't because I really don't see it that way. Because John Wall's get, coming. If, if John Wall was healthy, it's, yeah, it's all, but he's all, off in a, coming yeah. off an Achilles I mean, injury. It, I get it, but at the same time, if you if you go through three people, if you go through three different point guards, all good to elite playmakers. It can't be all them. And all guys that he wanted to bring in. Yeah, it can't be all them. I'm not trying to knock Harden. I'm not even saying that I buy into that, but I'm just saying this. And on top of that, the star player in the situation is always going to catch the heat. You look at. I think it's more so Houston not willing to accept that their time is up as contenders than it is is Harden. And is it, then it is hard in trying to shuffle up teammates. I 100% I really agree with you is. on that. And I think that if Houston was smart, yeah. they would have shipped James Harden to Philadelphia Isn't this year a, and gotten Ben Simmons and a couple picks and called it a rebuild. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Especially with a new coach. Now you're putting the coach in a bad position because now he's got to deal with this mess this year chemistry-wise, and, and putting all these pieces together. If it together. is a mess. If, if it and is then mess. if it turns out to be a mess. I don't think it's going to be that bad, though. John Wall, I don't, I don't think it's going to be yeah, that bad. Yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm not, more I'm not on, I'm, I'm not on the on boat court. of like trying to have sympathy for Steven Silas. I think he has an MVP player right now, and he has a good roster. I'm yeah. not, he's, not get, he's not put in a position like Tom Thibodeau in New York. No, talent-wise, it's all there. I'm just saying it's a little bit of a, a sloppy situation to get thrown into. Your, you know, your star has apparently requested a trade. Now you're bringing in a disgruntled point guard from somewhere else. Two guys coming off Achilles tears. Like it just seems like grasping at straws. Uh, it, it seems like a very Tillman Fertitta thing to do. Mm. Grasping at straws to contend when it's not really there, and it would make more sense to rebuild under a new regime. Like that's what it feels like to me. We're going to go on to the next topic, and this is a topic about the Boston Celtics. After trading Gordon Hayward, they now have a $28.5 million trade exception, which means they could trade for any player that is that has a $28 million per year contract or even less than that. 
And the question is, who do you think that the Celtics should target to get over the hump and be championship favorites? Or do they need to target anybody? What do you think? I think what <clears throat> what their downfall has been the last couple of years has been Giannis last year, Bam. Well, sorry, Giannis two years ago, Bam last year. So the concept would be they need a big that's bigger than Daniel Tice that can rebound and defend and also be a threat on the offensive end. And I think that should be their go-to right now to get a big that can essentially help them stop Giannis or contain Bam in that situation because that's been their lacking. They have the wings. They have the guard play. They just haven't had that consistent big. And I think Tristan Thompson, he's he was a good, like, Band-Aid. I think he's going to be – he's going to rebound for them. He's going to be a good defender. But I feel like they still need that that all-star type big that can really – change the East up and give damage to Bam and Giannis for them to really get over the hump. I agree. I have two names. The first one is, like I told you before, a team that I was going to talk about again in the episode, Rudy Gobert. You don't know what the chemistry is like after what happened last year with the Jazz, and if they're looking to move him, it would be the perfect move. He would fit into the, the exception, and you know he's the best defensive big man in the league, or at least close to it. He's a defensive year, de- defensive player of the year candidate every year, and automatically he would improve their team so much on the defensive end. And he's not a liability offensively. He's not great offensively, but he's solid offensively, especially with the team they would surround him with. But I think that's a little bit more of a, a you know fantasy land proposal because I don't think the Jazz are going to end yeah. up moving him. The other more realistic option, and I think that this would be a perfect move for both sides, John Collins. He's not the interior defender that Rudy Gobert is, but he improved a lot last year as an interior defender. And you're talking about a Hawks team that just drafted Onyeko Kongu. They just signed Danilo Gallinari to a huge contract and Bogdanovich to a huge, a fairly big contract. And John Collins is due for an extension after this year. And supposedly there has not been any progression in their talks in that contract extension so if they're going to move him why not at least get something back or if they're going to lose him this offseason why not at least get something back in this package you know when you really can afford to lose him at that position they have great depth down low and you're talking about a guy on the Celtics side who last year averaged about 21 and a half 10 rebounds a game shot 58 percent and shot 40 percent from three he can stretch the floor and they can still play that five out system and he's a solid interior defender would clog up that pain a little bit more and give you a more reliable big man option I don't think the Celtics should make a move I think if they get desperate then possibly they could but right now when I look at their roster they're about 10 guys deep, like 10 or 12 guys deep. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you but, look, <laughs> but they look, they have Jalen Brown. That's one Jason Tatum, Kemba, Marcus Smart, Jeff Teague coming off the bench, Daniel Tice, Trishan Thompson, the combination of Grant slash Robert Williams. That's nine people right there. The rookie Aaron Neesmith. Is he going to play? That's 10 paying Pritchard, Carson Edwards. Like they got some guys like right now, is John Collins an upgrade? Yeah, but now you got to pay him long term, and I don't think he's a good defender. So is he going to really elevate the Celtics' ceiling? I don't really see that. And like a guy that a guy that I would get that doesn't even cost twenty eight million would probably be a PJ Tucker. 
Because they, they need more guys like that that need to do the dirty work. They need to die for the loose basketballs on on the ground. They need <laughs> they need more guys to shoot corner three point shots. They need guys who's gonna be the heart and soul. PJ Tuck would be a perfect fit in Boston. I mean, Boston's logo is like what the, the that's that's a that's a Celtic right or a four leaf clover whatever it is. It's not three a four leaf, leaf clover. Three leaf, three leaf clover. <laughs> <laughs> you look you look at PJ Tucker. He's that guy who who brings in that four leaf clover personality. <laughs> PJ Tucker brings in that four leaf clover personality. He's good luck. He's one of the flyest players in the league. He's, he's good one, luck. He's one of the best three point shooters. <laughs> he's one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. PJ Tucker changes the culture of a team, and he can go to Boston and he can change their culture, and they can become favorites if they land a guy like PJ Tucker. Along, that, if you have a lineup of PJ Tucker and Marcus Smart on the floor together, I think that's one of the most unstoppable defensive lineups that that's in NBA this season and in the last ten years in the NBA. That was beautifully said, but it was a super stretch. PJ Tucker does not change the culture. He's not good luck. What has he done for the I Rockets the past two, three years? Like I like PJ Tucker, it would be a solid addition for them. But I think they could do better with that trade. If they like do, if they have a lineup balls. out there of. Of of Kemba, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and PJ Tucker. He can't I play think the that five. That, he can't play the five. What do you mean? Five. He's shown Stop. he can play the five. He, got he can play in the, the playoffs. Last he year. can play the. Who got booed in the playoffs? He got bullied. AD playoffs. That's Anthony is going to be one of the best players ever. And that's who they have to plan for because that's how you. That's who you have to get through to win a championship. And I'm imagining the Celtics. You don't have to get through him. Wait, who do you have to get through? Do you have to get through? You have to get through. You have to get through Giannis. Let's talk about. Let's okay. talk about the East. Okay, first. let's talk about put, the East. Bam is going to get every rebound. You have to get through six eleven unicorn. Giannis. What about Tristan you have Thomas? To get through Bam. Tristan Thompson you can't start Tristan Thompson and PJ Tucker. You could put PJ Tucker at the four. Okay, so who's going to start at the one, two, three? You're, You're going to leave Marcus Smart out the game. Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, so Jalen Brown. Kemba? What's wrong with you? Put him on the bench. Yeah, you can't right. play defense. Yeah, that's not if happening. you you have this. Jalen Brown locks up. Marcus Smart locks up. PJ locks up. Tristan is pretty good defender. PJ scores Jason eight points Tatum a game. Is a good defender. He can only score in the corner. And they're not. That's they're all not they need him for. They got Jason Tatum. They have Marcus Smart at the one. I'm just saying. I think PJ Tucker is a better fit. John Collins. You right in the modern NBA, you need guys who can switch. John Collins can't switch onto perimeter players. Like he can't. PJ Tucker can. For the Celtics right now, with their personnel, they need somebody who can guard the five, and that is what John That's Collins, not John does Collins. better than PJ Tucker. He's uh, not better than Tristan Thompson. Can I say something? That. Can I say something, guys? That was the worst take. I've ever Except Tristan Thompson is not that good of a player at this point in his career. Maybe if oh. you're talking, he's a like, way better defender than John Collins. It's not close. It's not like it's really not close. He's maybe a better defender than John Collins, but John Collins is world's better offense. Okay, oh, yeah, what yeah, do the yeah, Celtics? What so, do the Celtics need? They don't, the Celtics they don't, don't need, need another guy who gets the ball. But they don't need a P, a six five big man. They have three. They need a defensive. PJ can play the four or yeah, three. I, Come I on, agree. Man. No, and they don't need him to play the three. They have Jalen Brown. If and you have Jason him off Taylor. the bench, that's a huge addition. I think that's a huge addition to their team. Okay, yeah. Off the he bench. doesn't even have to start. He can but, come off the they bench. Have, okay, no, no. Off the bench. Okay, yeah, that's cool. But they don't. They have a Grant Williams who's probably going to be better than PJ Tucker. So he's they don't. So, no, I didn't say he's, he is. He can't he's even shoot. Be, he's going to be better gonna than be, PJ Tucker. Come on, man. That's a PJ stretch. couldn't shoot until he was 31. They don't need to trade for a bench guy, though. They're not looking for a bench they guy. They need a star. They need an interior <laughs> player. I mean, I think a better option than John Collins would be Aaron Gordon. I think he can switch better off on players. That's another. He's wing, not a good though. defender. He's a and four. He's not as good offensively. As if John you think Collins. Aaron Gordon is not a good defender, then John Collins is he not is, even the vicinity is of being not, a good defender. He is not as good a defender five. as John Collins. You don't. You, what? 
I do not think. You gotta I watch do not Hawks think. Games. No, John, I'm John telling Collins you, John. I do watch Hawks games. No, I watch every Hawks. I'm telling you, John Collins is horrible. Okay. Defense. No, he's okay. really bad. Like, no, he's bad. Like, he's bad, bro. Like, it's like I get it though, but he's they don't need that either. They don't need another guy because he's a scorer. Like John Collins is a scorer. They need a. Rudy Gobert was a good one, but they're probably not good. They need a rough rider. That's P.J. Tucker. No. That's who no, he they is. They don't need a rough rider. They don't need rider. anybody. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Tice is a what, what, was the, what was Boston's problem in the playoffs? Marcus Smart called it out. We don't have enough guys that are hustling. We don't got ha- enough guys that play with heart. P.J. Tucker brings That's that heart so to the cliche. team. He said that. It's it, so cliche. But he said that. What about, what about, it holds true. What team in the NBA has more heart than Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum plays hard? Like, they had heart. They also heart. had They also had you, a center. You know what I mean, though. I have a question. They had, what about, they had what about a center. Vucevic? They had a center that couldn't like that. stay on the court. Daniel Tice was a liability in the playoffs. He cannot play starter minutes in the playoffs. But and they you know, didn't have you a know, backup. you know what? So, he, you know what? Cancer is unplayable. You know exactly. what Marcus Smart is talking about when he talks about heart. Yes, and he's you know wrong. he's he's talking about he's, guys I, I, like he's not talking about PJ. Tucker. He's, he's, he's not he's not talking about he's talking about guys like Fred Van Vliet and I'm guys te- like and, that. And I'm telling you, he's wrong. That is not <laughs> what they he's need. It's it's cliche. It's literally a hand-fed. They don't need that. It's a hand-fed PR department. They went went to the ECF with no bench. No, they got Jeff Teague, who's going to be one of the best backup point guards in the NBA this upcoming season. Keep saying that because I think he is. Who's a better backup point guard than Jeff Teague? Schroeder plays basketball. He's going to start this year for the Lakers. Who's starting over? LeBron starts at the one. He's a one now. Okay, but I I didn't say the best. I said one of the best. No, you said said, name me a point guard who's better. Okay, name me a second one. No, that's not. No, you can't think of one because Jeff Teague is that. All right, Jeff Teague is that second guy. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying that you need more guys off the bench. Now they got now they got Jeff Teague. So now they got they drafted Aaron Neesmith. Get PJ Tucker, some guy who could play defense. That's what I'm talking they about. They don't they but don't need PJ Tucker. Let me tell you what, I don't think it would work because th- their problems in the ECF was Bam. Bam was literally their problem and on defense and Bam. offense. He cannot could, handle Young. Tice, I think Tristan Thompson would do a good job on Bam. We're kind of for, we're forgetting no, 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 that they have Tristan Thompson. I'm gonna say now. why he can't. Because when they put up in the pick and roll, Tristan Thompson can't go out there and guard. Anybody on Miami on the perimeter. That, and the other thing about Tristan Thompson. So you can't Thompson, play him for like, too long. If it was And Bam can go out there Trishan on the perimeter. Thompson, it would be different. Yeah. But Tristan Thompson presents a similar problem to what Daniel Tice was. Like, he just is so one-dimensional. At this stage, like, he rebounds and he's a solid interior defender. That's he's all a, they need, though. He's a negative What if Bam takes him out on the perimeter? What can Tristan Thompson do then? He's 6'9". He moves pretty good laterally. He can he can defend some guys, man. Yeah, Tristan stop, Thompson man. is not that bad. I, I'm like, he's a band-aid. I feel like a, they need a, a they good, need an all-star. A good They're call, not getting an all-star center. A good that, call that from the need. chat. A good call from the chat. Akil said Vucevic. I said that. Vucevic will be perfect. I said that five How, minutes ago. You guys are looking at it as in, like, through an offensive standpoint. How about Andre they Drummond? They need defense. But they also need he's, somebody. He's, he's a better Tristan Thompson. They need somebody who can stay on the court offensively, too. Daniel Tice is a fine interior defender, but he was not he they was need, they horrible need, they, they, they literally need an Anna's Cancer and a Daniel Tice. Combined. No, they, they need a guy who can. They, they need a guy who's going to shoot threes, who's going who's gonna to work he's his tail stand off. stand in the corner. That's P.J. Tucker they're right gonna, there. They're going to get out-rebounded again. P.J. Tucker, look at me. P.J. Tucker cannot guard Giannis. Cannot guard Bam. Cannot guard Anthony Davis. Neither can John Collins. What are you talking about? He can about? put up a much better fight than PJ Tucker. No, he can't. Much <laughs> better fight than <laughs> PJ Tucker. On defense? No, he can't. Defensively? I, no, I You're feel crazy. like he'll just score more You're than PJ, but I don't know. You just really, 
you said to my face <laughs> that John Collins would do a better job on Anthony Davis and PJ yes. Tucker. I think do, Tucker you, do you go on 2K and just look at the listed height and that's how you determine who's <laughs> going to do a better job? PJ Tucker, PJ Tucker is, Okay, is, how, did, how did it fare in the playoffs last year for the Rockets? Tell me that. Anthony they Davis lost, destroyed him. But what would have happened? You. What would have happened if John Collins was guarding Anthony, Anthony Davis? Anthony Davis would have destroyed him too. But like John Tucker, Collins would have scored. PJ Tucker is much stronger than John Collins. That's why mm-hmm. he can do better against big guys like that. I would say this, a lineup of Kemba, Smart, Brown, Tatum, PJ Tucker would literally lose them. In a playoff series again with Miami, they would lose again. They probably lose to the Bucks because that's just six five centers are just not it. They need a a big that's better than Tristan Thompson. He's gonna be he's they a need band-aid. A big, yeah, they he's need a, he's a big. Tristan Thompson is a band aid. The same thing as Daniel Tyson. He's a band aid that's gonna get them as far as they can get them. But to get over that hump and to get to that finals, they need, need a big. They, I, don't a real even, legit I don't big. even know if the Celtics right now could get past the Sixers. Who is guarding Joel Embiid? Tristan Thompson. They've, I think we say this every year about beaten, the Sixers. They beat the Sixers and repeatedly. And, and the, they beat Sixers, them 4-1. the Sixers had health problems. No, last no, no. Year. The, before that, they beat them four one. They with beat Benz. them without Kyrie, with only with yeah. the rookie Tatum. They beat they beat Joel Embiid. Well, and we were asking yeah, that they, same question about the center. Who was the starting center that year? I, can, I don't even remember. I don't remember either. Yeah, who they had Al Horford. That's uh, the reason. That, that's the reason okay, the Sixers right, ran out fair, and signed Al Horford. That's fair. You got it on that. Whatever. A career game for him is twelve points. Joel Embiid didn't dominate them last year though. Because it was Joel Embiid against what was Ben the Simmons going to do offensively? Can I ask you that? Like, what was he going to do? Come, don't talk to me like no, Ben sir, Simmons has not changed the look of that offense. He's a better playmaker than anybody else. He is, but like, roster. he's not going to take away any type of attention towards Plus, Joel Embiid. This, the Sixers made a lot of moves to get better. This okay, yeah, now they're like, yeah, they're dangerous. But I'm saying they All need. Right, let's move on because if the they play Embiid right now with that PJ Tucker guy, they're going to get destroyed. Who? The, the Celtics, if the Celtics go get P.J. Tucker and they play them B right now, oh, and B yeah. will average 30 yes, on that's what, You guys I, that's are forgetting, I, it's not just having Tucker, it's having Tucker with the guys they have now. They have shooters, Tristan though. Thompson you You're not going to be able to double team if you have Ben Simmons out there with Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, and Shake Milton. That's not, you can't, you can't leave Shake Milton, Seth Curry, or Tobias Harris open. I think you, well, you, you can, can sometimes, yeah. They, you Seth Curry sometimes. and Shake are forty percent. Seth Curry is on very low volume. Yeah, but all he has to do is stand there and be ready. On very low volume, I don't really trust Shake Milton doing that. But you trust PJ Tucker shooting threes in a corner? No, I trust PJ Tucker's heart and his hustle, oh and he's a br heart. and he's a br kicks champion. Who who on what the, the hell? Who, who on the six is a br kicks champion? A Nobody's a br kicks champion. So he's a champion at something that nobody in the Celtics is a champion of yet. Nobody says he's a champion Next. outside of Thompson. Next. VR kicking. <laughs> oh, man. So, look, this next topic we're going to talk about is Kevin Durant denying the rumors that he talked to Harden about coming to Brooklyn. So, he basically knocked down the report by a reporter. He said, I don't know where you're making these stories up and that anybody can make up a story that gets traction. And the question that I want to ask you guys is Kevin Durant lying? about not talking to Harden about coming to Brooklyn. Yeah. I think they've texted each other a few times. I think they talked about it in person. So I, I think all these players essentially lie. It's just when they get caught and the media catches it, they feel like they have to say, oh, no, because we didn't do that because it's a part of tampering. But I do feel like him and James Harden have definitely spoken about teaming up and playing together. And I feel like all players do that in the league, talk about it. Because the NBA now, people are more friendly. They're friendships, groups, all this, like, they're more close together. So I feel like they've definitely had this discussion during all-star games when they hang out in the summer or open gyms. So, yeah, I definitely think he's lying. 
I think I think they spoke. They've been playing together this summer, if I'm not mistaken, which is where these rumors began. I think they definitely mentioned it to each other, like especially with Harden wanting out of Houston. I think that was a thing before the Nets even came up in discussion. So I'm sure there was a little, you know, like side note, even if it was a joke, oh, hey, come to Brooklyn, you know, whatever. I don't think it was what everybody's making it out to be. I don't think it was Kevin Durant laying out a sales pitch, you know, here's this, this, and this, you know, we could give up this for you actually planning out and plotting a trade for him to Brooklyn. I think there was probably an offhand comment or something, and it spiraled into this, but the media made it out to seem like Kevin Durant was actively recruiting James Harden to Houston, which I don't think it was, and I think that that is why he shut shut the rumors down the way he did. But yeah, I'm sure he did say something to James Harden when they were playing pickup. It it would be silly to think he did. I think it was much more than that. I Mm. think Kevin Durant wanted James Harden, and James Harden went to Houston and said, "Look, get me to Brooklyn." He he said he want he he demanded a trade. He said Philly or Brooklyn, but Brooklyn's his preferred destination. Why? Because he's linked to Kevin Durant. Do I think that Kevin Durant went to the front office and said, "Make this happen"? I don't think that. The only reason Kevin Durant knocked down this report is because he doesn't want to have beef with his teammates. You don't want to go into the season when you guys haven't traded James Harden yet and have Karis LeVert, Dinwiddie, Jared Adam looking at you, looking at half of the team, basically saying you wanted to trade us. And at the end of the Why day, who, and at you? the end of the day, who cares what those guys think, regardless, because it's for James Harden. But what I'm saying is that you don't want to cause a rift in the locker room. I also don't believe in Kevin Durant's way of doing this because just how he doesn't like it when reporters are coming at him or asking him questions about trades or free agency or these rumors or whatever. I mean, when you knock down a report, basically calling it false, that it's made up. Now you damage the career of that reporter because you're basically damaging their credibility moving forward. And I think that's not right to do when it's obvious Kevin Durant is lying. Throughout his career, he's been lying about things like this. And Golden State, when they asked him about free agency, he basically said he was going to stay in Golden State. Then on the podcast, he on he All the Smoke, it. he said mid-year he was going to leave regardless. With him and Kyrie, they was talking and about he it. knew he was going to leave regardless. Then in OKC... He said that there were no problems with him and Westbrook. He would never leave. Like, Westbrook and him are brothers. He would never leave. Then, when he leaves, he doesn't even text or call Westbrook and tell him, hey, I'm going to leave. And Westbrook finds out like the rest of us. I think <laughs> I think this Kevin Durant... He's a snake. That <laughs> I think what Kevin Durant did is kind of messed up because you're ruining the credibility of a reporter who can... That can ruin the career. Just say no comment or just say... You know, or just say, I worked out with James Harden, but, you know, I'm not trying to, we haven't talked about that. Or just say it's a private conversation. You don't have to go and say that reporter's lying or the story's false and it's made up because that now is taking it too far. Well, you're just assuming it wasn't made up. Like, I understand why you're saying that, but. You just said, (laughs) you, you literally just said it'd be, it'd be, it'd be dumb to believe that they didn't have a conversation about that. Yes. And. I also said it's not what it was made out to be, and it was only made out to be that way through reports that made it seem like Kevin Durant was actively recruiting James Harden to Brooklyn, which then in turn... I'm pretty sure Malika Andrews reported that, and she's a credible reporter. Yeah, no, 100%, but I'm just saying the story can be twisted. It's like a game of telephone. The story can be twisted source through source through source, and I'm just saying, you know, I question that Kevin Durant would have a conversation like that in a pickup game that probably included other Nets players 
because, again, he was playing with Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie all summer long, and those are the guys that everybody was talking about in trade packages. So I question that he would do something like that coming off of the heels of what happened in Golden State, what happened in Oklahoma City, and the reputation that he has. I don't, I don't know that he would go about it like that. But after I you play a pickup game, you know you go onto the bench and you go and you talk, you talk, you talk, you, talk you laugh. They could have done that. It couldn't have just been something on the court that, you know, Kevin Durant gets a bucket and James Harden's like, yeah, man, I want to go to Brooklyn. I want to start by it saying this. something I'm, different. Let me start by saying this because you said Kevin Durant, Karis LeVert, and Spencer Diddy all worked out. And that, that's, that's fair. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and all of them worked out. But Steph Curry and KD were never off-court friends. Like, they, they, they might have been cool, but they never – when the, when the game is over, they go their separate ways. And I could I could tell you this: Kevin Durant and Karis LeVert are very close. Yeah, Kevin, and Karis LeVert is one of the people they're trying to keep in Brooklyn. I know that for a fact in the trades. But I would say this: that story about Kyrie, like last year, the last year in Golden State, when Kevin Durant was dodging the media, telling them there is no rift, telling him he's going to stay, telling he, all this nonsense, and then on that podcast talking about him and Kyrie made the decision to go to Brooklyn. When Kyrie was also lying too, I, I think we all remember that and he Kyrie, promised to stay in Boston. Yeah, Kyrie was also lying. He told that me was he, that was early when he did that. No, but though. he also even that after that he said he didn't make a decision yet. That's the lying part. Him and Katie said they didn't make a decision yet. But at that All Star game, they both said that they were talking about it. and They made the decision: we're going to Brooklyn. That's where we're going to go. So it's like they were premeditating where they were going to go. Yeah, under. like you can't, you can't. Like he said, that puts bad rep. On the person that's reporting, and it, I guess you make it seem like they're a bad reporter when yeah, they're like, not. It, it's okay if you say if you don't comment on it or you basically say that you haven't thought that far. But when you go on to say that the media is just after that, they're just out to get you, when and not. you're you're just a victim in this whole thing, and that the reports aren't credible. When all of these reports that KD has been attacking in terms of the media just being out to get them, have you noticed that most of them have been right? about him wanting out of OKC, about him wanting out of Golden State, about him going to New York, whether it wasn't the Knicks, but it was Brooklyn, they've been true. And <laughs> and either, and this that, whole that, way... You can't, and you can't whole, slide that in there and this like whole, that's the same thing. And this whole way, Kevin Durant has been saying that all of that stuff that had has come true was false. It just, you shouldn't be bashing a reporter for a report that's probably true. I, I think that there's a drop of truth in everything, but when you go back and look at all those reports, <laughs> you your when you it's not even an analogy. When you go back and look at those reports, I think that all of them were stretched more than what they were at the time, and I think that this report is another example of that. Like there, I agree. There's probably a grain of truth in this. They spoke about it at a pickup game one time, but again, I don't think it was made out to be what the report said it was. You know. Kevin Durant was actively pushing the Nets to go out and get James Harden. Like somebody said, swap Harrison Barnes for Chris Middleton. And they go back. <laughs> <laughs> He's not lying, but like, like I, I want to say this because, um, to your point, when they talk about how Katie was bashing all these reporters, there was this one reporter. He reports for the uh, Tribune for Golden State, and he was talking about he he put out this report on how Steph, Kevin Durant is jealous of Steph Curry, how the fans love Steph Curry dearly, and they don't treat Kevin Durant. With the same, they treat Steph like a god and go to state, and they don't treat. Hold on, and they don't treat Kevin Durant like the person he need. He, like he feels like they should treat him. He says that that was false. He never acted like that. He never felt that way. He goes on the same the same podcast with uh, what's that? Matt Barnes and all Steven the smoke. Jackson. He goes on all the smoke and says, "Yes, I was jealous 
of Steph Curry and all the hype. So that's like that goes back to. But I don't think that was the problem, though. I've said that multiple times. I think that the problem was Draymond. And Draymond, because I think he was fine giving Steph Curry the spotlight. Just no. like LeBron was fine giving the spotlight no, to Dwayne Wade when he went to Miami. It's the point of you make these reporters look like they're lying. And then, like, you 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 bash them throughout that whole process. And then a year later, you say, oh, no, that was true. Like, that's not cool because you put a bad rep on them. And you make them lose their job. And then they can't report the same way because you make them they look bad. They won't lose their job. But you make people question what they reported. Yeah, and then we got to... You got, like you look like a snake, like you're a snake, like that's not cool. But it's like I said when you said it. Even in that report, I think on, it was only half true because I think if it was just Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, he would have been fine sharing that spotlight. But the fact that Draymond Green was taking the ball away from him on a last second shot opportunity, no, like, I that's think what it was really more got Curry. Yeah, I, think I was, disagree. I really think I it was just Curry, like because Kevin Durant's a jealous man, and he felt when he got to go to state when he won. We should have gave him more credit, and nobody gave him credit. He felt like Steph Curry in Golden State was praised like Michael Jordan in Chicago, and he was praised like Scottie Pippen. That's how he legit but, felt. But you but were never gonna, you were never gonna get that praise. That's like LeBron when LeBron was. I in think Miami. he was annoyed by Draymond, but he was. Um, what's the word for this? I disagree. He threatened I, by Curry. I understand what you're saying, but I, I'm gonna say almost completely the opposite. I think that he was annoyed by Steph Curry getting the shine. But I think the Draymond is what pushed him over the edge because when you hear the story, I, you guys keep laughing. He's a seven point per game scorer. When you, <laughs> no, 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 I, I get that. Serious. That's the thing that I'm saying. Like when you look back, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson never would offer any pushback, and that is widely reported. They would never like they were doing anything to cater to him. The only one that would ever say anything to him is Draymond Green because he's the only that's one out ad, of that group him, that has that abrasive personality. Yeah. So if it wasn't for him, I bet Kevin Durant would still be in Golden State. Because Steph Curry and Klay Thompson would cater to him and make him seem like he was the number one guy if that's what he wanted. I, don't, I think he was always going to leave because he, he felt like he... It's like when LeBron went to Miami, LeBron knew Miami would never treat him like Dwayne Maybe so. Wade. Maybe but so. he, he still well, didn't need that validation. Toward, Kevin Durant needs that validation. Towards the tail end of his Miami days, that was LeBron James' team. No, it was always LeBron's team, but he never would get... But LeBron Dwayne Wade is, is loved yeah, in Miami way County, more than LeBron. Yeah. Even if LeBron was a better player, Dwayne Wade was always loved more in Miami. That was his city. And I that's think why I think that, he went to Brooklyn because he was, wants to make it his. Like he wants, he feels like he needs to make it his thing. Same thing with Kyrie leaving yeah. so, LeBron. So let me ask you, in that sense, bringing it all full circle, if that's what he wanted out of this, then why would he ask for James Harden to come in? Because if anybody's gonna, because everybody thinks Katie's better than James, if anybody's Harden. gonna challenge him for the spotlight, Wait, coming off that? an Achilles injury, Kyrie's not gonna challenge Kevin Durant for the spotlight. I love Kyrie more than the next guy, but it's different when it's Brooklyn. Brooklyn has never won a championship in their history. <laughs> Golden State came <laughs> off an historic season and they already won a championship. No, if, I think that's not if, what he's saying. If, no, if KD, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, because you're I'm talking saying. about James Harden coming into Brooklyn no, 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 and no, no, being no. looked he, at as number one guy and taking more of the credit. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, what I'm saying is that people think Kevin Durant is a better player. And if you're banking on who to be better in the playoffs, I think Kevin Durant will be better in the playoffs than James Harden. Mm -hmm. And even if they win, that's James Harden's first ring. That's KD's third ring. So at the end of the day, James Harden, if anything, has to take a back seat if he goes there. It's not the other way around where KD had to learn to fit in with these guys. James I, love, Harden I, love, I love that you look at it that way, but the, <laughs> the wide... 
the wide range of the basketball community would not. That's just the way Kevin Durant has looked at. His two rings are a fraud, whatever, yada, yada, this, that, and the third. And if James Harden came to Brooklyn and they won a ring, it would just be, be spun as Kevin not Durant really. taking a backseat again to another super team. Like He would not get any credit for that ring. Even if they win this year, I guarantee you there's going to be people that discount his ring because him and Kyrie teamed up in Brooklyn. No, no, come no, on. no. I now think, you're just stretching I think it. if Harden goes there, people are going to look at it like, all right, well, your team is kind of loaded. But I think if just Kevin Durant and Kyrie win it, I think the, te- the league is even enough where they're going to say, all right, no, this is a good win. Right. This one is meaningful. Now we're going to move on to the next topic. And I'm just to just to end off that, I don't think that Kevin Durant would get less credit because people already have a reputation of James Harden, that he's a choker. So if he wins a championship, if anything, people are going to look at KD differently for winning it. And plus, it's different because it's going to be the Nets' first championship in team history in New York, in Brooklyn. If you do that, if, if you do anything good, great in New York, that stands the test of time, you'll get... You'll get immortalized forever. KD is right. going to get a statue in Brooklyn if he wins him a championship, and that's what he wants to love. He doesn't. He he just and, didn't like it because Curry got the credit. And if he traded for James Harden, he'd have to share that statue. So why would he want to bring I think in that's always guy when Kevin Durant wanted those China. statues somewhere? He just wants so to let be him loved go out and earn it. it. He was never going to get in Golden State. No, I'm saying in Brooklyn. Oh, he got rather he than trading for another superstar. I, agree, I think I he agree. feels he can do it on his own. It he, would be nice to have James Harden if they could get him. At some cheap discount price. Oh my God! But just the, say you don't want James Harden in Brooklyn. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think you're hearing what I'm saying. It would be nice. To, I'm saying for in his mind, it would be, and that's what I'm saying. He dropped this little thing like, ah, oh, yeah, it would be cool to have you come and play in Brooklyn. But in the reality of it, like, I don't think he wants to expend all all these assets and, and you know kill his depth for another guy who's just going to take his shine. I don't know. I doubt that. But nonetheless. We're going to go on to the next topic. This is a player that's not anywhere near his former all-star MVP status. It's Isaiah Thomas. At one time, he was an MVP candidate in the 2016 to 2017 season. He averaged 29 points per game with the Boston Celtics. But ever since then, he got traded to to Cleveland, then got traded to the Lakers, then signed with the Denver Nuggets, got no minutes. Then this past year, he was with the Wizards and averaged 12 points, four assists, Shot 41% from three and 41% from the field. Should Isaiah Thomas get another shot to play real minutes in the NBA? Six man, be for a what? bench player. You want to start on this? I just want to ask for what and where. For what? Like what? I mean, you think, you tell me of a team and. Who needs a 5'9 point guard? The Knicks. Oh my yep. God. I, are you being serious? No, I'm dead serious. No, I, think, hell. No. I think that instead of, instead of Alfred Payton. The Knicks should have signed Isaiah Thomas. What the? You're crazy. You I, just, I think so. I yo, think you give so. me. Oh, you make me he so bad. He can shoot. Okay, but you don't need a guy who's just going to take shots from your young guys. He is not progressing you anywhere. Like, he's not he doing anything for you. He's not <laughs> making. Paying is? He's, he's not. a playmaker. You need that. Come on, man. He averaged eight assists a game. Eight? Yeah. Alfred Payne? I'm I don't even think it was that. I, all I say, Thomas is, is like he's an isolation scorer. He's not a playmaker. He's a ter- he's literally the worst defender in basketball. He's five nine. Like I just don't see what he brings to the table. Maybe he's like a gadget piece off the bench, but I don't see. What is he, Jalen Hurts? I don't think he belong. I don't think he belongs in any starting lineup. 
maybe is a six man on a bad team, which I mean, no offense, but I guess the Knicks are still in that development phase where they're not really competing. So well, they're I, a bad team. Yeah, there, if there was any spot for him to go, I guess the Knicks might make sense. But for any team that I was in charge of, I would not be bringing in Isaiah 7.2. Thomas. That was awful. Right? And I like Isaiah I mean, Thomas, I, but look, he had his run. He has I, never been the same. I want to say this. I want to say this before you go, Joel. I was never high on Isaiah Thomas. I, yeah. I, I feel like a five, like even when he was having that great year, it was a great year. But I feel like a five, a guy who's that small, you know, taking that type of shot, he was never going to lead you to the promised land. And then when he had the hip injury and the way that whole situation went down, I was like, yeah, it's over. So I, I, I really, I'm in the business of if you are the worst defender in the league. And you don't offer nothing like you don't offer that elite like Trey Young offensive firepower. You shouldn't, and you're not a great playmaker. You sh- there's no spot for you in the league, G League. You know, I when we were when I was researching this topic, I was trying to think of teams, and I, I was you know I put up under my Google search and I said NBA teams. I went down the <laughs> list, the arrow that lets you scroll through the teams. I went through the teams, and I'm looking at all the teams, and I'm like, damn. There's no team that I could see him <laughs> fit on besides the Knicks. And I said, Alfred Payton, because honestly, I don't think Alfred Payton should be on the Knicks. I think I would have been much better with Isaiah Thomas being on the Knicks. That's me personally. But I'm like, damn, he doesn't fit anywhere on any team. And I think it sucks because this is a guy who had a great story, a great year with Boston. And Boston really did him dirty. And ever since then, his career has went downhill. I, I agree with you. And I think... It speaks towards loyalty is only a word in the dictionary, especially when it comes to the NBA. Like loyalty <laughs> means nothing. And you look at, I am a big Danny Ainge critic because I always say about Danny Ainge, he will only make moves that he knows he a hundred percent wins on paper. If they went out and got Anthony Davis the year that the, the, the Pelicans were trying to trade him last year, I think. Mm-hmm. If they went out and got Anthony Davis, they would have won the championship. There's no question about it, but he was scared to give up those assets to do it because he didn't know if Anthony Davis was going to stay. He's scared to pull the trigger on deals he won't win. That was a good move. That was a deal that he 100% won at the time. You were getting Kyrie Irving, who you know nobody could have saw it playing out the way it did, and if Kyrie stayed at the level he was in Cleveland, they would have been the best team in the Eastern Conference. I think that first year they was. And you look at what happens from Isaiah Thomas from then on. You know, coming back from the surgery, he's never the same. So they sold incredibly high on him. And although it didn't work out, I mean, it kind of did. I guess Kyrie Kyrie leaving hurt it. But, like, you weren't going to get better value for Isaiah Thomas. And all he was going to be was, you know, a contract on your team that was only hurting you and blocking whatever talent you had there, which I think is what he would be for any team right now. All he... I, I just can only see him fitting with bad teams. He's like a Russell. He's like a very much worse Russell Westbrook for me. You know, because somebody even mentioned right now he could fit on the Clippers. They need a point guard. I feel but like then, Reggie Jackson is. Yeah, because Reggie Jackson, I think, is better than Isaiah Thomas. And me too. It, it just it's it's kind of disappointing and sad how how bad is it Isaiah Thomas's career has went. I, I, I feel... You look like Isaiah Thomas. I don't, <laughs> I don't want this to seem like I'm an Isaiah Thomas hater. I'm just speaking candidly. I really like Isaiah Thomas. He has a great story. I think that picture of him getting drafted and you know being Mr. Irrelevant and having the only person speak to him on draft night was one season ticket older from the Kings. He didn't have a single reporter by him. Like It's a great story. And he went to Phoenix and played really well and then went to Boston and was 
one of the best stories that I can remember in recent NBA history. But at this stage in his career, he's 5'9". He's done. A terrible defender. Like, I, I just don't see where he fits. So now we're about to move on to our last two topics of Damn. the episode. I thought we was done. Yeah, so now <laughs> this is the last My two. boy. I don't even like him. Should Giannis stay with Milwaukee after the offseason moves that they have made? Is it Milwaukee or Milwaukee? You say Milwaukee. I love the way you say Milwaukee. Yeah, you say Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how it is. That's how I, I pronounce uh, it. I, I, thought, I don't know. That's how you say it, though. So I just say the Bucks. Should he stay with the Bucks? I'll go first. You want to hear something funny, actually, before you start? Supposedly, the Bucks city design, when it got leaked earlier in the year, was supposed to have a Greek marble design inside oh the numbers. God. Yeah, they wanted to stay back. And when they dropped it, like, this past week, it did not have that design anymore. So either they feel very confident he's coming back or not confident at all that he's coming back. Well, sources back. are telling me Danny Age was holding out the assets to potentially <laughs> land P.J. Tucker. <laughs> but, but go ahead. I just thought that, that was a funny so tidbit. I think it really depends. I think this is a make-or-break year for – the Bucks and Giannis, and it sucks because he's a free agent next year, and it they're not. It sucks because they probably won't be able to trade him and get anything in return. But this year they went all in. I mean, Drew Holiday, you brought in DJ Augustine as Corey well, Craig. Bobby Portis, Tory Craig, Brian Forbes, who's a really great three point shooter, and you still have Middleton, Lopez, DiVincenzo. So. This team should is good enough on paper to win the championship, or if not, get to the championship. And this is the last straw for the Bucks. If they don't win here, I think Giannis leaves, and the Bucks know that, which is why they they mortgage their whole their whole future by trading away all those draft picks to the to the Pelicans for Drew Holiday. And it just sucks because if they don't win this year, Giannis. I mean, why would you stay in Milwaukee? They don't have any cap space to get better. They don't have any assets to trade for another player, a star player, and they have no draft picks to get better through the draft. They're basically going to be stuck. And I saw the interview of him talking about LeBron James, basically praying that LeBron, um, praising him that he's still the best player in the world, which we all knew. But he's saying that he wants, you know, Giannis is a guy who wants to be remembered for winning championships. He wants to win a championship. And yeah. if he can't win in Milwaukee, he's going to leave. And I think... They're not going to win this year, so he's probably going to leave. I'll say this. The Bucks front office had to be shaking in their boots watching that interview because he essentially said, I would be perfectly fine taking a backseat role as long as I win a championship. And they are not getting a second star to come to Milwaukee. So, um, The the way I took that interview is I, I look at I look at stuff like this. I look at it as... <laughs> I look at it as how do you want to be remembered in NBA history. Do you want to be remembered like a Dirk, you know, winning a championship for that one city? Do you want to be remembered like a Kobe staying forever, no matter how much went through it? Or do you want to be remembered like a LeBron, like a Shaq, like going to different teams, winning chips with it? Like, how do you want to be remembered in history? And I feel like the Bucks this year, I, I'm pretty high on them. I think they have the tools to win the chip. I think we could all say on paper, they look like they can definitely make a run for their money and win the chip. With Drew Holiday, you got them boys out there. So I, I think, in a sense, he's talking about he wants he wants to play like he's willing to take a backseat to LeBron and Kevin Durant, and but I feel like that's a he's discrediting his own talent. I don't think he needs to take a backseat. He is one of those guys. Yeah, I think he is one. He can be one of those guys that you take a backseat to him. And I think him trying to play with them is only gonna 
put a asterisk on the title he wins, I feel like he should go to like a Miami and Jimmy Butler takes the back seat to him. Or he should go to like a place Toronto. like that. Yeah, Toronto. And he that would be a whoa, I didn't even think about that before. But that would be a really great place, him and Pascal. But I think like how do you want to be remembered in history? He wants to be remembered for winning championships. But we all know this from the Kevin Durant experience and the Steph Curry experience and the LeBron and D Wade and Miami experience. It'll we remember champ yeah, we remember championships differently. And we put asterisks on a lot of championships. I think the only respectable championship we like we really put high in that Marcus 2011 with Dirk. That's what we think. Like, that's one of the most respected championships in our era. So, it's just about how does he want to be remembered in history, honestly. I hate this topic because I, I remember <laughs> I hate a lot of topics. I just hate talking about this because I feel like I'm going to contradict myself because I look back at. We'll help you. Don't worry. I look, <laughs> I look back at when Gordon Hayward left Utah and it was like. Damn, they did everything they could to retain him. Like, they brought in talent to surround him. They trusted him, drafting him. Like, they developed him. He grew so much there. What more can they do? And it just seemed like at that point, a small market can never win in the NBA because if you you, you draft low, you play bad basketball, you draft high, and you get a superstar, you develop him, and then their rookie contract comes up and they go to a big market. And that's just the cycle. And... I said when Gordon Hayward left, I was like, why don't any of these guys want to stay and like make their own mark on things? But then you look at it, and I give Milwaukee a lot of credit for doing what they've done. You know, they have Chris Middleton, who's a, a nice number two for him, I guess. They went out, they sold the farm for Drew Holiday. They're doing everything they can in Milwaukee to give him a supporting cast. But when you look at it, so that's why... In like a fairy tale, I say, yes, Giannis, there is no question. You should stay. Like, this is your home. They're doing everything for you. They love you. Like, you you belong there. You should stay. It's the morally right thing to do. <laughs> you should talk to him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you like, should definitely talk to Giannis. Morally, it's 100% what you should do. But then you look at it from a basketball standpoint. Is he really going to win a championship there? Like, he needs to take a, his game to another level if he wants uh, yeah. to do that because nobody's coming to help him especially with the cap situation they're in with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. I think Lopez has a pretty big contract. Like, they got some big contracts on the books. Nobody's coming to his rescue. Like, it's on him at this point. And if he really wants to go out and maximize his opportunity for a championship, it would make more sense from a strictly basketball soulless standpoint to do what Anthony Davis did, get out of town as fast as he can, and go... Go to a bigger market. Go to somewhere, even if it is Miami or Toronto, somewhere where they have a better core in place. And even Toronto and Miami are more attractive free agent destinations. So that would give yeah. him a better chance to win a championship. But if I was in the position, and I get it, I never will be, and I can't speak towards Damn. what it must feel like, <laughs> but like I can't help but feel like I would want to stay in Milwaukee. Stay. Like, look at what they've done for you. I just feel like it's such a backstab to leave. Before yeah, you, before tissue in here. Got to wipe my eyes. Cause, cause here's the thing. Like, a lot of people will compare it to LeBron, but when you look at what Cleveland did for Dan Gilbert was a horrible executive. They did nothing to retain he him. He came like, back, though. They, they brought in Antoine Jameson, Shaquille O'Neal. Well, at only, those times. The only way they ever brought in talent was him leaving and giving him a wake-up call and a smack in the face, and they ended up getting lucky with Kyrie Irving, and then they went out and traded for Kevin Love. Oh, Williams was because, good. Delonte West was good. Come on. They were the favorites. And come, stuff. On. Oh, come on, man. You're crazy. Why were they the favorites? 
Because okay, LeBron right, James. But, but look, look, they I, never I'm brought a, in I, talent to surround him. Milwaukee has not done that. They haven't sat on their go, hands. I just want to say something really Like, quick. they've brought in talent. They've tried their best. I want to say something about this. From a strictly basketball perspective, he also has to look in the mirror. He has no jump shot. His jump shot is completely broke, and that also limits their offense because of his lack of skills in a sense. He is very dominant. He's one of the most – he probably is the most dominant player in the A. But his limitations on offense – are also, from a basketball perspective, are one of the reasons why they also do lose. Because yes, he does. Yeah, put no, it, you're 100. Yes, right. he does put it all on the floor, and he does need some help too. But his limitations are also what's holding them back too. So you got to also look at yourself in the mirror as well as the front office. The front office just did their job. So now you got to do your job, like you said, and you got to go out there and you got to improve as a player. And, too. and you know, you're right. On on paper, they got the talent to Charlie go in and make a run at the chip. I mean, they have Drew Holiday, one of the best defenders. In the NBA, they have Chris Middleton, who's a, who's a good sidekick. They have the all-time leading scorer in Nets history in Brooke Lopez, who you know what he gives you on the defensive end and with a three-point shot, Giannis, Brian Forbes, a good shooter. So they, they can make a run. It really just depends on him improving his game, like you said. But I really think that this year is do or die for Milwaukee. And I don't think – I think they're not going to do and they're going to die. And Giannis is leaving. If – if he was going to stay in Milwaukee, like if he was dead set on staying in Milwaukee, and I think if they win a championship, it changes the discussion, but if he was dead set on staying there, he would have signed an extension already. We're a week away from training camps. Unless something unexpected happens, LeBron has signed, AD has signed. Like AD has signed. No, I just said oh, okay. AD has signed. I LeBron, think AD was waiting. LeBron got an, exp- an extension, so... and. AD signing that five-year extension and them extending LeBron also signals... They're staying together. Yeah, so, like... And another aspect of looking at it is it's got to kind of... Not be a smack in the face, but it's got to hurt for Giannis to see Milwaukee struggle and scrape these picks together to go get Drew Holiday, who... Drew Holiday's a very good player, but is he even an an all-star talent? Yes. Yeah, he is. Okay, so uh, at a bottom of the barrel all star talent. Like, out of all star talent, he's not. I think he can give Kemba a run for his money, though. Okay, okay. And that's what I would also have Kemba in that category. Like, look at what they just had to do to put together a package to get Drew Holiday. And the Lakers literally snapped their fingers and got Dennis Schroeder, uh, Montrez Harrell, Marcus Saul. Coming off a championship, they reloaded like it was nothing. I mean, if we're being honest, though. The Bucks are probably going to have three All Stars and Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, all-stars, and Giannis. Yeah, type players, yeah. Well, one superstar, two All Stars. Two All Stars. So I think that's good enough. I think no, but I'm saying in a sense of look at how easy teams like the Lakers get talent. It takes it takes nothing uh, for them but, to but bring. They in got talent, Schroeder because of a trade. It was that and, easy. And Harold, that trade was pretty easy. And Dennis Schroeder seemed very happy to be going out. Oh no, yeah, but I thought Montrez he wanted to stay. He said that, but. Montrezl Harrell yeah, but took they a gave, pay cut they gave up a first to get Schroeder. I'm under the belief, and that's that, all OKC. You know, they just traded with them in the perfect time. I just feel like small market teams, and I feel bad for them essentially because they're never gonna get that, you know, that over the top. They're never gonna be able to keep those players because of the, the big market teams. But I do hope Giannis stays because if he does stay, it will create more. You know, great teams in the East, and it'll yeah. keep the Bucks in contention. But he's probably gonna leave, and I think it would just start to change the way free agents look at the decision because the last two really big ones have been LeBron who left Cleveland. Well, LeBron twice. He left twice and Kevin Durant Durant who left Oklahoma city and then left golden state. So it's been like 
hopping around from city to city and Giannis staying would be a nice like reminder. Some guys want to stay somewhere and, and make a place their home. I think that's an important thing to have in your league. And I think that Giannis would be a good guy too. I just look back at Dirk's career and he blew three one leads. He was an MVP, lost in the first round. Like he went through trials and tribulations, but never left, never gave up. And I just feel like Giannis, like sometimes these guys are just giving up a little too quickly. Like Giannis is only twenty five, twenty six. Yeah, he can be that guy. Yeah, and if he if he gets a jump shot, God, they don't need much help. And it's not like he was a horrible jump shooter last year. Like he was. Slightly three below average. What are you talking about? Your jump shot in general? From three last year, Giannis oh. is slightly below average. I don't think he was, he was not a terrible jump shooter. What I think when it mattered, he was bad. Wait, what's, it, it, what's his, percentage, yeah, yeah, what's his percentage from three? I believe he shot a little bit above 30%. What's his volume? I Hold feel on, like when I'll, it mattered, I'll, I'll he find was the number. just and, and that's what I'm saying. When it mattered, he was horrible because he didn't shoot them. He didn't want to shoot them. But I'm saying... I think he has the ability it gives me Westbrook energy. To, to have a jump shot. You know, last year from three, he shot 30%. It's not great. It's below, well, it's, well, it's well, slightly well, below, below average. He shot four, he shot almost five threes a game. So, like, he, he was one, shooting them. One or two, give or take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has to get better 30, at that. 30% is not a terrible well, what's, number. Yeah, what's his free throws? Oh, he's a bad free throw shooter. I see, so a 60, 63%. Yeah. Oh, but yes. LeBron's a bad free throw shooter. And LeBron's LeBron, an average free throw shooter. It's like shoots 70%. Yeah, Giannis is 63%. No, yeah, 63 is like That's an F. It's a bad Especially when he's shooting, you know, 10 free throws a game. Yeah, okay. You know, it's not yeah. a good number. Yeah, so. okay, I get what you're saying. But he, has he, but he has, like, there's a basis there to build off of. It's not like he's... Ben Simmons never made a three in a in a real NBA game. Like he's got a basis. He's a hard worker. It's there for him. I don't see any reason he can't become at least an average jump shooter. I think the fact that he wants to be a it's take a, a back seat. Thing. I think the fact that it's he wants to take thing. a back seat really makes me look at him as a different player because no player with that caliber of talent should want to take a back seat. Shaq never wanted to take a back seat. The Kobe Kobe never wanted to take a back seat. To Shaq, D Wade, his first year with LeBron, didn't want to take a backseat until he realized he wasn't healthy enough. So it's I like, guess I just think that players now have more self awareness, and I guess they're they're not as egotistical and arrogant as players back then. Or or they're taking the easy route, not to really winning because every Kevin every, Durant took the easy route. Every great player's done it. Like you, you look at the top five players in the league right now. AD, AD did it for LeBron, but LeBron AD's did was it. Different. The Pelicans were horrible, and they were never in. Tight, they were never in a title picture. The Bucks have been in the title picture for two years straight. LeBron and Cleveland, okay, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying that you know and you talk Pelicans you talk about Curry. You talk about Curry, but Curry's never had to make that decision because his organization wasn't dysfunctional. Yeah, that also comes. Organization problems also come into play too. But they all the, the organization and Curry built themselves up from the ground up. They built together. Just the same with the Bucks and this organization. They built themselves yeah. up. Yeah, the only the difference ground. is that. The Warriors drafted the best shooter of all time. Exactly. You didn't know he was going to be the or the best. second no, best shooter no, 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 of all time I, in Clay. But he, but, they but wait, did we knew Steph was going to be the MVP? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. But I'm just saying. I th- I think the case is Golden State brought in Clay Thompson, who's the greatest shooter. Didn't bring him in. They had Clay Thompson, who's the second greatest brought, shooter him, of all time. Like they also had Draymond. They brought. I mean, in yeah, KD. Draymond. Like, I mean, the they brought in the, Iggy first. The, the Warriors were the yeah. perfect situation of draft well. Yeah. And it, you know, it happens. And yeah. Milwaukee... But I'm just look- saying, you said Curry, and I'm, he was never put in that position. That's, yeah, and okay. other star players are put in where they are the main guy. They have no help. 
for the most part, and they know they can't get over the hump unless they leave. As much as I give Milwaukee credit for trying, like, is that the best they can do is Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday? Like, that's that's really good, but it's not the Lakers going out and getting Anthony Davis. What other superstar is going to want to go to Milwaukee? It would never happen that way. If Giannis ever asked a guy to come play in Milwaukee, the conversation would shift to let's go team up and play somewhere else because nobody wants to go to Milwaukee. No offense. It's just not a big market. It's not Miami. You know, It's not a glamorous place to be. So as much as I give Milwaukee credit for trying, it's just a difficult place. There's not this great history there like the Packers. Like, you know, Green Bay isn't a, a very flashy destination, but the Packers are one of the greatest franchises ever. So people are gonna want to play for them. Now people Milwaukee don't go to have people that. don't go to play for Green Bay. I think though. football is a little different though. No, they don't they don't they but don't, you get, they don't get free agents like, though. They don't you, get free agents. You get what I'm saying though. Like Milwaukee doesn't have that history, they don't have that flashy name. But so. even the Packers don't get free agents though. Yeah, they don't get free agents. They like they're known to be very stingy. In free agency, they don't get free agents. Well, I think that's more the Packers than people not wanting to go to the Packers. No, nah, it's just like you said, Wisconsin, Green Bay, Milwaukee. It's not a desirable destination. So small markets will always be at a disadvantage when it Green comes Bay to isn't getting a small market, though. Yeah, it is. Really? What you think so? If you look at the top TV markets in the country right now, Green Bay is like. I was thinking 70th. from a money perspective as a, as a as a top NFL market. is different because how they run their league. Mm-hmm. There's a cap, and okay. there's basically the NFL, so small markets get a chance to win, mm-hmm. there's hard cap. Okay. Like the NF, the NBA, you can go over the luxury tax to keep players. The NFL, you can't do that. Once you hit a number, you can't go over that. So every team has the same amount of money. No team can okay. go over it. See, that's that's so, fair. That's fair then. Because in the NBA, I know certain markets, I will go by the money-wise, like Golden State, Chicago, the Knicks, Brooklyn, we, are, we, were, we would be declared – and like even and even like MLB MLB has no salary cap, so what? Yeah, you, you can spend yeah, as no. much money as you want. <laughs> yeah. Did not know that. The, so that's the why the big markets win. The point that I was trying to make is they don't have. Not only are they not a flashy destination, but they have no history to fall back on to say like, come and be a part of this great rich, you know, franchise. There's really nothing to draw free agents there except Giannis, and is that going to be enough to get a second superstar? They also don't have the money either so, to do that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. They've kind of handcuffed themselves now with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, who are well, both very good Eric pieces. Bledsoe was handcuffed, the, Eric Bledsoe and George Hill were handcuffing them regardless because they was on two or three-year deals anyways. So it's better to get one guy who's better than both of them. Yeah, they also gave up five picks, though. Yeah, well, I don't three know. Three picks, two I think picks everybody left, was so. just getting, excuse yeah. my language, but raped this year in terms of picks. So We're going to go on to the last segment of the episode. It's about Paul George. Paul George recently went on All the Smoke podcast and talked about his playoff struggles. I wish I could play the clip, but I don't even have the clip right now. What Paul George basically said was that Doc Rivers was using him wrong. He was using him in a way that he used J.J. Redick or Ray Allen, and he didn't use Paul George to play to his strengths. And the question is, do you think that Paul George is making excuses about his lack of performing or his or not performing in the playoffs is Paul George is making excuses. He basically said he's not a strong jump shooter. No, 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 cuz you, you missed a comment. couple things in that little thing you just said, but no, I think if you if you if any I don't know if everybody watched it, but if you watched it, he definitely said we we all played bad. We didn't make adjustments. We just kept saying, "Oh, we're up 3-1. Oh, okay, it's up 3-2. Oh, we're at 3-3." They 
he talked about they didn't practice. They didn't. They went to went to games doing the same thing over and over again. When Denver figured it out, they didn't make any adjustments. But I do think he should still take more accountability for the fact that he played like absolute shit, and he should definitely take into account the fact that he was one of the reasons they lost. Because I felt like he kept saying a we 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 thing, but he wasn't saying it, I played bad. You're you're the you're the star. You walked into that situation. You and Kawhi. At the time, Paul George, you was coming off an MVP season. You were con- we could, most people considered you a top ten player at that time. You were coming off a MVP season, twenty eight points a game. You were a top three an MVP and defensive player of the year. So we expected you to play better than that. We get you was injured and all that, but you walked into the bubble healthy. You walked into the playoffs healthy. And you played like shit. So I feel like you should have definitely taken responsibility for more of your actions and. Except the fact that you played horrible. You got outplayed by Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Nikola Jokic. Paul George is becoming one of the most hated players in the NBA right now. And it's because he doesn't take accountability. And honestly, he's full of he's full of shit sometimes. And this was one of the moments where he was like that. I mean, you talked about the lack of adjustments. And I've been very critical of Doc Rivers. I'm not some Doc Rivers apologist. I don't think he's this great head coach people make him out to be. But let's also be fair to him. Before Paul George and Kawhi got there, he was a coach of the year candidate. Everybody bought into the culture. Kawhi and Paul George come. They get star treatment. Now you see Montrez Harrell turn down $19 million a year from the Hornets to play for the Lakers for the minimum, or I think the mid-level exception. Obviously, he has some bad blood towards the Clippers, and I don't think it's because of their organization. I think it's because of those two top guys. But Paul George is lying, and when he talked about Doc Rivers was using him as Ray Allen or uh, J.J. Redick, I mean, that's a lie. I mean, Kevin O'Connor quoted the tweet. He, he's a, um, he works for the ringer. He's a very good analysis of the game and reporter. And Paul George finished 33% of his total plays using pick and roll, which was a career high. The prior high was 25% in OKC. And that's via synergy stats. So obviously he wasn't being used as an off-ball player. Yeah. He was being used as an isolation pick-and-roll ball handler. And he didn't make the most of his attempts. And even if he was being used as how he said he's being used, that gives you no excuse to miss a wide-open jump shot in the corner the and hit it off the side of the backboard. That's your performance. Instead of throwing Doc Rivers under the bus, how about you just say you played bad? After you got into this beef with Damian Lillard and said that they weren't going to win a championship, they were going to go home and they booked their tickets to Cancun, you go out and lose? I mean, Dane called him out and challenged him and said, look, I, t- I took you out the playoffs, and I took Pat Bev out the playoffs. You keep switching teams, you're running from the grind. And that's what Paul George has done. He left Indiana when the going got tough. He left OKC. Now in the Clippers, he's throwing Doc Rivers under the bus. Paul George isn't a real leader, and right now he looks like a real coward doing what he's doing, throwing Doc Rivers under the bus like that. And if you're going to do that, you better win. Like, at least if you are team hopping, whatever, and you go and win championships, you can say like, okay, like I'm making an impact here. But when you come in and first of all, I think we could all get this straight. He's not on Kawhi Leonard's level. No, he's a tier below Kawhi. So two tiers. when you come in and you attach yourself to Kawhi Leonard's witch list of, you know, being able to live in, you know, wherever, San Diego or wherever, away from the practice facility, and you're late to practice every day, and you choose, pick and choose games and practices that you don't want to suit up, and, you know, this, that, and the third. 
that's going to make your teammates angry. And it clearly did. And you had this divide in the locker room of Kawhi and Paul George. And I, I feel like I like Kawhi, but I feel like Kawhi has avoided a lot of the blame that he deserves because if it was any other superstar in the NBA that did what Kawhi Leonard did this year, he would be getting destroyed. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Harden. Harden. If they went to Los Angeles, gave a wish list like that, and then got knocked out after the 3-1 lead, they would get destroyed. They would get slammed. And I feel like Kawhi kind of avoided that. And Paul George shouldered a lot of the blame. Both of them deserve to be slandered for it. And like you said, he just takes no accountability. And you look back at that Damian Lillard shot when he goes into the press conference and he says, I don't care what anybody says, that was a bad shot. It wasn't a great shot. But when he splashes it in your mouth... You can't, you can't go, you can't, you can't go into the press conference and say that was a bad shot. You look ridiculous. You look like a clown. And then to come off the heels of that and then go to Los Angeles, not perform and and pick and choose the days that you want to rest. I don't like Pat Beverly. I have never been a huge fan of Montrez Harrell. I'm not, I don't got But at the end of the day, those guys... I mean, they're tough, gritty guys. There's a reason they got to the league, and there's a reason they've stuck around. You know, it's not like Pat Beverly is some outstanding offensive player, but he's a hard-nosed guy. That's the reason he's around. And when you have that split in the locker room, that divide in the locker room between two pampered superstars and the rest of your locker room that's going to work hard, you know, that's what's going to happen. And I don't see it changing this year. What did they bring in? They brought in Ty Lue. To be, to be their quality Tyler's control coach, coach and hold them accountable. I think Ty Lue and Doc Rivers, uh, like, I think Doc Rivers is a better coach. He is, but Ty, Ty Lue's a player coach. Doc Rivers isn't a player Ty coach. Lou is what gonna, does that have to do about Ty Lue knows and adjustments, though? No, no, it's it's not that. It's more of like... Wait, 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 well, Ty, Ty Lue, you, you're going to sit here and tell me Ty Lue is going to come in and hold Kawhi and Paul George accountable. What I'm going to tell you is Paul George, what he said in the thing was Doc Rivers wasn't calling people out. Nobody, they, they, they felt like, if what the way he said it was like, it felt like Hollywood in there. Nobody was taking, was calling nobody out. Everybody was just all nonchalant about everything and Doc Rivers wasn't calling all the players out. So, I mean, Ty yeah, Lue is going to do that. That is a problem with Doc Rivers. It's been documented even before this team, the Chris Paul Lob City team. He's been known for that. But, I mean, I think even the Clippers teammates, Paul George's teammates, kind of saw through the act that Paul George is trying to portray. I mean, you lose to Denver, then you go in the locker room and give this speech about togetherness. And there was a report that all the Clippers players are basically rolling their eyes at, at Paul George. Like, man, what are you talking about? Have your actions lead us. You know, back up your words with actions. And clearly, Clippers players aren't very fond of Paul George in a way he likes to lead the team or try to give these motivational talks. Because he's not backing up his performance. I think this is the third straight year where he's underperforming the playoffs. Yeah. He did it with OKC two years in a row when he was in OKC. Okay. He, he underperformed in OKC. OKC, should. I would say the first year he underperformed. And the, the second, second year he was playing with shoulders and he couldn't lift up his arms. And he still put up 28 points a game. So. I, he underperformed. What? Well, he was playing with bad shoulders. So if we're going to call it underperformance because of bad shoulders. And Kobe Bryant was, breaking with a, was playing with a broken finger. And You're going to compare a broken figure to bad shoulders? I'm just he got saying. surgery on his shoulders right after that. I'm just saying. I, he, he, he underperformed the first year at OKC and last year. I would give you that definitively. And my problem with the Clippers is I just don't see much changing this year from last year. Like 
is Ty, you, you can't sit here and tell me Ty Lue is going to come in and change this culture. Like, what has Ty Lue done that people think he's going to do that? I wanted him for the Nets job simply because he would sit back and let Kyrie and KD run the show because that's what he did in Cleveland. You know, what was he doing in Cleveland? He was sitting back and letting LeBron run the show. That does not take any talent. Like, he might be an okay coach, but he's not going to come in and be Greg Popovich and make them sing Kumbaya together and, and make them all best friends. Like, now, he's definitely not an X's and O coach. He's, he's not an X's and O coach, but he's not a he's not like a, a locker room melder either. Kumbaya. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not going to come in and make Pat Bev and Paul George buddy-buddy. You read reports last year, like, they wouldn't speak outside of basketball. The entire locker room was split up like a middle school lunchroom. Like Paul George would go off with Patrick Patterson. Kawhi would go to his home in, you know, East Beverly Hills. And, San Diego. You know, no, none of them would talk. That's not how a team works. Yeah, I mean, so, bottom line, I think that Paul George just has to take more accountability for how he played. And Matt Bournes com- replied to a comment and said, you guys, you guys want athletes to show you the other side of the story. Then when they do, you talk you talk bad about them. Well, yeah, it's because just because you you tell us something about what's really going on doesn't mean we have to side with you and basically kiss your butt about it just because you you shared that information with us. And and if Paul George had come out and averaged 30 in that Denver series and they still lost, it'd be a different story, but he was very bad in that series. He was bad, especially when it mattered most. So I'm sorry, I can't hear your excuses. See, I also, you know, I, I really like Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. I think he's a top three player in the league, but I think that he deserves a lot of the blame for what happened there too because he created that cancerous culture and then he came out and underperformed. And if any of the top caliber NBA stars like at his level did what he did, you would never hear the end of it. A better player, a better response would have just been that, yeah, I played bad, I have to play better next year. Don't talk about all this. Don't put the blame on everybody else. Just say that you got to be better. That's it. Don't throw Doc Rivers under the bus. Just keep going. It's trying to, it's, it's making a comment about a guy who isn't going to defend himself. He's already out the door. There's no reason for him to comment on it. So it's trying to, you know, pass off your demons on, you know, he's trying to throw his demons in a bag and toss them out the window and move into this year, try and forget about next year. But, like, you can't forget about what happened this year because right. if you forget about what happened this year, you're going to do the same damn thing again. They all, they all have to be better. Kawhi, Paul George, Lou Will, they, they, has to, has, they all have to take responsibility for themselves. And it starts with Paul George. I feel like, Paul George, you, you're, you're a star playing like a bum. You can't, you can't do that. You're better than that. So he should have definitely went in there and took accountability. Like, don't say we all played bad. No, I played bad. I should have been better. He has to take responsibility for his actions. So this is going to do it for this episode of the Pick Aside podcast. We appreciate you guys that are watching. If you guys are watching now, we're going to take in callers They're going hard in, in a few. <laughs> and we're also going to cut this cake with you guys, celebrate our 1,000 subscribers. So, yeah, I mean, you guys can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter, at Pick Aside Pod. We're on Apple Podcast and Spotify. You guys can donate to us either through this YouTube chat and Super Chats or on Patreon.com slash Podcast. So thank you guys for watching and see you next time.